Welcome to episode 6 of Crazy Talk. This is KYT with John Medina, Alex Hain, Frankie Richard, trying to bring you the best in legacy information. And last week we got a lot of great feedback. We had a very good guest with us, Drew Leving. And uh, we thank you for anybody and for leaving us all these comments in on Mana Deprived and on MTG Cast. And we're looking forward to another great episode. Wow, he barely got through that one, k <laughs> Remember to breathe after each sentence. <laughs> He's like, and I just want to thank the Academy, and I want to thank my mom and my producer. <laughs> What's up, guys? I'm Jonathan Medina. We know you are. That's <laughs> obvious. For the people who don't know, but... I feel I'm really sorry about, for those people. <laughs> no, don't you feel happy for the people who don't know who I am? <laughs> no, actually, I really do. No, I feel, but I feel sorry for them that now do know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we we got a guest tonight, right? Right, right. Legacy superstar, <laughs> Mark I Stern. I think you're overhyping it, John. The son <laughs> is a star. <laughs> Legacy super son, Mark Stern. <laughs> yeah, what's going on, everybody? <laughs> so, to, to fill the awkward silence, we usually start our guest off with five questions, which we call the five, and I'm just going to start things off. Are you ready, Mark? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Question one, how did you get into Legacy? Um, well, uh, when I was little, I owned a lot of Magic cards, and um, I kind of tucked them away for college, and didn't really expect to ever play this game again, but... Um, I got to college and realized how popular it was, and at the time, I just wanted to do something that that could incorporate all my cards. So, uh, looking at all the standard stuff, the multicolor cards and the the crazy color artifacts and stuff like that, Cascade, it was kind of awkward for me. So, um, naturally, I kind of uh, wanted more familiarity. So, at the time, um, I had all the cards to make Landstill, which is my still one of my favorite decks in Legacy uh, right now. Well, interesting. So. Have you actually gotten into standard at all, or purely uh, yeah. legacy specialist? Um, very recently, I started getting the standard, and I really wanted to branch out into different formats so I could get a in, in a holistic view of Magic. So I uh, started playing standard about two months ago. I started playing Rug, which is uh, something that I started learning from uh, Michael Jacobs' videos on Star City Games, and uh, you know it was a pretty good pretty good education process. Um, there's a lot of cards that are not available in standard that I wish were, but. Uh, Unfortunately, you have to make do with what you have. So, uh, not playing in a format with, you know, not, not playing with or against Force Will or Wasteland or Days, things like that. Um, it's really different for me. Oh, nice. Question two What's your favorite magic card and why? Oh, that's a good question. I think, I, I actually, I, I think I like Pernicious Deed a lot. Um, I, it's one of the, it's one of the classic cards that I'm, that I'm used to seeing. Uh, right around the time when I put down all my cards, was this, this guy was a monster in, uh, in standard. So, Everybody wanted Pernicious Deed. Everyone wanted to play Spiritmonger, Black Green Decks, things like that. So, 
Um, and right now, I, I finally have a playset of mine, so and I would really <laughs> like to use it in Legacy at some point. Okay. Now comes our hot question. Question three, what would you like to be known for in the Magic community, and why should we care? Um, okay. I think in uh, in the magic community, I think I would like to I, like, I would like to be known f- uh, for being reliable. So um, you know, obviously, I, I really like writing and reflecting on my experiences. I mean, I'm still a scrub. I, I still go X3 at large events. So, but um, I want people to kind of look at my logic and look at my progression and my approach to to the game, and I, and I want them to know that you know I'm putting everything I can into giving them the best information possible. John, did you want to jump in? Or? Yeah, I just wanted to, because I'm just now realizing that probably not a lot of our listeners know who Mark Sun is. So people are probably right now wondering, like, who is Mark Sun? Like, did he, like, top eight a tournament? Or, like, <laughs> he's he, like, called him a superstar. <laughs> well, he's a superstar in my mind, you know? <laughs> so, um, I think John has the wrong idea of me, because I, I think... Uh, I, I forget what you said, John, on, on one of the car rides. I think you said, like, you saw me at, like, at GP Columbus or something, and I was, like, 02 and, like, miserable, and you were, like, this guy's oh, what's awesome. going on? Like, come on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm definitely not a, like, superstar, but I, I'm definitely one of the people who are, I think, willing to put a lot of time into learning the game and um, learning all the mechanics and seeing how the dynamics and the math of the game goes. So um, I may not be a superstar, but, I, I you know, I do like to express my thoughts and uh, get it out to everyone else. Yeah, and so what we're trying to do here with Mark is just um, is get him on, just hear his perspective on the game, hear his perspective on Legacy. He's a buddy of mine. Um, we used to do a lot of trades through the mail when I lived in Vermont, and this is before, like, I didn't even, I never knew that I would move to Ohio or that I would ever meet Mark, you know, and uh, so it was cool to finally move out here and meet him at a Mean Deck Open, which is a Legacy tournament that they usually hold over here every month, or used to at least. So, um, so yeah, it, for those of you wondering, like, why you don't know Mark's son, it, it's probably warranted. You probably don't know who Mark's son is. That's, that's okay. Yeah, he's going to be our guest anyways, and uh, <laughs> hopefully you'll get to know him a little bit. Yeah. To be fair, like, I don't even know who most legacy players are. So, <laughs> kind of, it's like, the Hatfields, I didn't know until they started winning, so... Question four, you're going to get into a bar fight, and you can pick one member of the Magic community to get your back. Who's your pack one, pick one? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was actually staring at this question. This is probably the hardest one out of the five. But, uh, it, you know, as funny as it is, um, at, at uh, SCG Atlanta this weekend, I got to meet um, Ali Andrazi. So, like, you know, this I, I, didn't, I didn't know he was that huge, but, you know, I would hate to get punched in the face by him, I will say. <laughs> So it's not Terminator John Medina. <laughs> I, I think I think John and I would both be running away screaming. You know, it's uh, it's not Terminator. It's Robocop. Robocop. Oh. Oh, that's right. That's right. Nice shout out <laughs> from the article this week. I like it. <laughs> but he's Robin Hood too. <laughs> and John, I, I leave. He it has to you. a very warped perspective of himself. Let's just leave it. And, and John's that. His mind is a sick and twisted place. <laughs> Huge self-image. <laughs> he, he's all these, like, superheroes in these movies. <laughs> all right, so question number five, Mark. What's the craziest thing you've ever done? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a boring guy. No, I'm kidding. Um, well, I, I, don't, I don't really know. I guess to, I guess to kind of relate in magic terms, um, to show how competitive I was when, when I was in college, um, I'm Asian, so when I, you know, drink, I, I turn red and whatnot. So, uh, you know, I, I decided to down... 
an entire bottle of wild turkey, which is a horrible idea. But um, for for those of you that you know know how Asians look when they get drunk, my my face was beet red, uh, vomited multiple times, and it was during the winter. So I actually woke up on the street with my face almost frozen to the ground. It was a good time. It was a really good time. <laughs> KYT, do you get all red when you when you drink? So, I don't, I don't, maybe, but I don't drink often, so I wouldn't know. I just wonder if it's an Asian thing or if it's a Mark's Hunt thing. No, no, it's it's like a, no, I actually, I actually looked into this because I was really mad about it, you know, and I was like, God, how did I, why does it happen to me? And it turns out it's like 50-50, so like, you can either not turn red and be completely normal, or you can just go off, you know, just go off the deep end when you get, when you drink, so I got screwed <laughs> with that, that half of the gene pool, so. Well, we that got KYT of- drunk at GP Providence. <laughs> Just to see if he turns red. <laughs> well, according to the math, and I'm sure the math is correct, right? Uh, that it's fifty percent. So <laughs> yeah, the math is definitely correct. If, if you know. yeah, if it's coming from me, guys, you know, you know, it works out. <laughs> yeah, there's two Asian guys. If one turns red, the other's not gonna turn. <laughs> Mark, are you actually going to Cook Question GP Province? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm right now. I'm kind of in a weird, uh, kind, of, kind of in a weird situation right now where I'm trying to find a job, but. I don't really expect to start it until after uh, the GP Province, so I will definitely be there. <laughs> so you played at the uh, GP, not GP, uh, SCG. They might as well start calling them GPs. They're getting yeah, that big. I mean, they're... <laughs> <laughs> but you, you played at SCG Atlanta, right? Yep. What did you play? Um, I played a, a deck variant that is called G, uh, Green White Pandora, so it's kind of a take on survival of the fittest po- uh, post-banning. Why is it called Pandora? Um, well, the, the the deck creator actually uh, is uh, his name is Jeff Smilski. He plays in the uh, the Vestal area, but uh, I mean he he calls the deck Green White Pandora. Um, I imagine it's because you know a lot of crazy things can happen from this deck. Um, you, you know Pandora's box when you open it, you don't know what you're gonna get. So, well, I gotta stop stop you right there for a second. This is the second time you said. Crazy! Except you didn't say it the proper way it's supposed to be oh. said on the staff. <laughs> Get it right, Mark. We're, we're, we're working up to it. We're working up to it. By the end of the podcast, I will have I will have said crazy. The correct way. Sorry. You would have said what? Crazy. <laughs> oh, pretty bad. That's good. That's good. Seems like the Asians don't quite get it right, huh, Medina? Yeah, yeah. You know, not everyone's perfect. <laughs> Maybe we blanked on that fifty percent. <laughs> so tell us more about this uh, Pandora deck. Sure. Well, um, the the deck is designed about uh, around three uh, central principles, and uh, the first one is being having a stable mana base and a lot of tempo. So as you can see, like the list that I have, there's nine basics in the list and about five fetch lands. So you're going to be drawing basics constantly. And it kind of kind of turns off what pretty much every legacy deck has in the main, which is uh, Wasteland. So uh, without any fear of Wasteland, you're allowed to accelerate your game plan a lot faster. And it plays 10 mana bugs, and uh, notably four Hierarch, four Birds of Paradise. But the two Crown Ranger are probably what is the, uh, the the turnkey to the entire deck. So Crown Ranger, you can do a lot of dirty things with it. Um, it has a lot of it has good interaction with Fauna Shaman. It has a good interaction with mana bugs. That way, you it, it literally it can be cast for free on turn two. Uh, if you play it, um, return a force to your hand on tap a mana bug, floating two mana, and you still have the two mana that you wanted on turn three. So um, it's a really good tool. Also protects your lands from wasteland. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, stable mana base, the second part is the card advantage. So um, I think uh, everyone knows about the Fauna Shaman, the Venge Mines, and, uh, you know, kind of what Survival did in this heyday. But also this deck kind of incorporates two other things. Um, when, when we lost Survival, we lost a lot of speed and we lost a lot of power because we couldn't tutor up creatures that quickly. So we needed more uh, we needed more actual threats. So this is where Stoneforge Mystic comes in. Um, you got two Sword of Fire and Ice, Beast Tribal decks all day long. Uh, you got legit best equipment in the format probably, and you have your four Tomagoyf, so you know obviously the vanilla guy. But the uh, the, the creature that really I want to talk about was Eternal Eternal Witness. Um, I think it's really strong. Um, it brings back your swords. You can recur Pride Mage with it. Um, you can bring up back creatures if you have Vengevine in the graveyard. So getting back a, a mana bug and replaying it, triggering Vengevine again, really good. Um, it's basically the card that I considered would be the best idea to break stalemates when you're playing against creature decks. So you're playing against Zoo, and there's you know two Goyfs staring at each other, and you can get back a, a Swords of Postures for removal. Um, it's definitely one of the best choices. Um, and then the third part of the deck is having Silver Bullets against the metagame. So when I, uh, when I prepared the deck for Atlanta, I wanted to really focus on kind of shutting down combo and then kind of shutting down control because I knew that those two decks, or not control, but the countertop decks. So I knew that those decks would be in the metagame in order to respond uh, either to, you know, either to join the combo bandwagon or to try to fight it off. So that's why you see the Thrun there, you see the Magus. Those two are, are specifically brought in for the control matchups. Uh, Solid Prime Mage is just really good removal, and then Teague and Mind Sensor are there for, you know, the search effects and then uh, anything that's, you know, tendrils, ad nauseum, uh, whatever else. And then the sideboard is more geared towards beating the, the combo decks. So you have four Leyline, you have either Sworn Canonist, and then last of all, I wanted to address Affinity, so Kataki definitely came in Peacekeeper. So those two are, are huge silver bullets against that deck. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I think I think I boarded everything in at least once, so it was a pretty good sign. So, like, you have, like, one-ofs in there. Like, to me, it's always been, like, what happens is you just get screwed. You can't get your one-of or you can't, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, definitely. Is that um, is that what happens, or, like, shouldn't... It just seems like it'd be really soft to, like, the decks you were talking about, the control decks, the the combo decks, that kind of thing. Well, about the, uh... Um, well, the, the way to tutor for your one of is definitely is Fauna Shaman, so, um, you know, the, I, I didn't... There's five ways to get every creature... And there's five ways to get every silver bullet creature in the deck, so I wasn't I wasn't totally worried about it. Um, against control... Uh, you can you can have a good game one against control with uh, recurring Venge Vines. They only run um, the four color countertop decks. They only run four swords to plowshares, and um, with recurring Venge Vine, they are losing. You know they lose card advantage for you know swordsing small things, and then um, they ha- they have a really hard time dealing with recurring Venge Vines. So and you can play a lot of things through counterbalance. So um, counterbalance can't handle a lot of three drops. Um, I know that in my tournament report I talk about in the second round I fought over a guy for uh, with the Magus in the Moon because he couldn't deal with that. So. And um, he had to waste a lot of cards. So um, a lot of, and, and then every card you draw is basically a threat. So um, with, with with the equipment advantage that you have with Stoneforge Mystic and things like that. So um, I didn't really find I didn't really find an issue to uh, to be control against combo. It was a little it was a little more awkward for me because um, I probably could have used some more Aetherstorm Cannonist in the board because I didn't really I didn't really consider High Tide to be to be part of the metagame. I wanted to really dodge it when I was designing the deck and or when I was preparing the deck. And you know, I wound up showing up and seeing the high, uh, seeing the Hatfields go, you know, seven and zero in the Swiss and <laughs> drawing into the top eight. So I was like, well, that's a little. Mis- and you had, to, you had to play against Weinberg, who was playing high tide, right? Yeah, he uh, drove down with the guy, and uh, he got shipped to deck the night before. So it was kind of it, it was really bad. I mean, if you read my report, I mean, he he, he too owed me, and rightfully so. But 
the first game, you know, I needed I needed to rip a land to 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 kill him. You know, he was a three life, and he had meditated to my end step. He had you know like ten cards in his hand, and none of them were force will. He showed me after the game, none of them were force will. He didn't have a high tide, but he rips a high tide the turn after, and I don't draw a land, so I can't beat him for the extra damage. It was really it was really depressing. So, but um, but even if you did, like, what would have happened is you would have got that game. And then the game after, he would have just blew you out with like a turn three. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean the the deck is the deck is incredibly resilient. Um, I, I was I was really really I was really surprised almost to to see how how good high tide's gotten. I mean I I remember when it was still you know the whole reset and you know play with your upkeep get you you know kind of deck. But this is yeah. this is plays a lot more like a control deck. Um, you know, it's got a lot more options with with kind of, with cunning wish package, and now has blue sun zenith, so it can use that as a reusable kill condition. Um, really like the deck actually. Yeah, it's pretty insane. So like with your kind of deck, the um, the green white, like that's where like if I played a green white deck, like mm. I would want like four teagues, like somewhere. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, um, like, I, so so why not? Like I guess that's my question. Well, the the thing the thing is, I wasn't I I was expecting combo to be present, but there's the thing about legacy is no archetype is actually represented by more than you know ten percent. So you know even survival in its heyday, I don't I don't think it ever crossed you know twenty twenty percent of the metagame. We'll just throw that out. So even when survival in its heyday, the, the most powerful deck that that legacy has seen in a long time, you know it wasn't even it wasn't even that high, and that kind of speaks to how diverse legacy is. Um, you know you can't you have to be able to cover all of your bases in the General in these general categories and combo, of course. Looking at a, you know, I think Jared Silva does these articles on Star City every once in a while where he breaks down the metagame and tells you what percentage of the metagame was, you know, specific pillars. So combo, I don't think has ever gotten higher than, you know, maybe like eight eight percent. So, um, so taking that into consideration, I thought that my package of four Leyline and Sanctity, one Ether Storm Canonist, and one Gadot Teague was enough. So a lot like, of guys often think their package is enough, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Alex. <laughs> um, just, I guess I, I'll finish my thought on this, and then I'll let um, Alex and Frank comment. Um, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> Sometimes you forget you're not just a laugh track, KYT. <laughs> yeah, I'm Asian. I'm Asian. <laughs> we don't forget when it's like about an hour and thirty minutes in. Then KYT starts showing up. Hey, so maybe we should start wrapping this up, guys. <laughs> I think it's about time right now. Everybody <laughs> should be meta gaming against each other <laughs> because we saw each other's decks. <laughs> oh, I, I love that line. That is that is one of my favorite lines, actually. <laughs> of course, it's from your Asian brother from another mother. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, my question would be like. I don't know, man. It just seems like uh, like Green Sun Zenith would be good in this deck. Yeah, you know? um, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I I considered when I got the deck list initially and, and how the deck was supposed to play. I actually considered uh, cutting uh, four Birds of Paradise in a forest for four Green Sun Zenith and a Dryad Arbor. The unfortunate part about it is you have a lot of um, inner synergy with the deck and having Green Sun Zenith. It's true you can tutor for a lot of stuff, and I, I considered it. But you kind of offset the ability to, to trigger your Venge Vines, and that's a huge problem when you, um, one of the centralized concepts of the deck is to, to kind of gain card advantage using a set of creatures. So, um, yeah, I mean, for the future builds, if I ever decide to actually cut Venge Vine, which I, which I might, um, Zenith is definitely coming in. I mean, here's what I could see for the combo matchup. 
Mm-hmm. Like I could see like a green cent, four green cents in the board or something, and then you just cut like, you know what I mean? Like a, a fauna shaman. Fauna shaman seems too slow in in like in those matchups, and then yeah, like that's true. bring in the green suns and like green sun into your galaxy. Because if you can like, plus the, the green suns just sort of like shuffles back in, so like it gives you. I don't know. It gives you more than a final shot. I think. Yeah. I mean, the, not, the, prob- like, the problem with that is that uh, once you've green sun your uh, your Gaddic team, it, it turns them off. You know. So. <laughs> yeah, but once you do that, you, uh, that's what you want to be doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. And um, I think <laughs> it was it was weird for me because I I kind of I reflected a lot on the on the ride home because you know I'm not I'm not always driving and I just kind of staring out the window. Um, <laughs> wow, that's the, deep, man. I'm, no, 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 no. But um, you know, I thought I started thinking about ways to to attack these combo decks, and it's kind of gotten to the point where having Teague against one deck is not necessarily as great as having either one Canis against another one. And you know, Canis unfortunately can't be Green Sun Zenith out, so it's gonna. Um, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of conflict here between um, the builds that I want to run because you know what's optimal you know if you walk into a room and there's Cephal Breakfast you you want to you want to have Gadok Tiga with the Tormod script as soon as you can but if you come into the room and you're playing High Tide um, I've kind of found through a little bit of testing that Gadok Tiga is incredibly weak against High Tide because all all of their enablers are actually are pretty much turned on like you turn off uh, Turnabout and you turn off uh, Time Spiral so but they still have the the option of Cunning Wish. They still have the option to cast High Tide and Candelabra and make a lot of mana before they go off. So it takes them, you know, what, two bounce spells um, in, in the board or something to wish for so so they can bounce your Leyline, bounce your Teague. So um, Canonist, I think it's a better tool against them because they slow down their entire development. I guess you can reflect, John, because I think you played High Tide to a, to a pretty good finish at Yada Quest uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, like, Teague doesn't scare me at all. Yeah. Like, I don't care about that card. Like... To me, it, it almost seems like, and neither does Leyline of Sanctity. I just laugh when somebody plays that. It doesn't even matter. Like, like, it's like a mulligan. Me, yeah, it, to me, it seems like what you should be doing is maybe instead of Leyline, is take a page out of that Elves deck and mm-hmm. run the four Thorn of Amethyst. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, the, the the deck is the deck is pretty much all creatures besides four swords. That's pretty good actually. Yeah, and then like I would worry more about a Thorn of Amethyst than a Gaddic because then I have to spend extra mana on a Cunning Wish. Extra mana to bounce, and you know what I mean. Yeah. And then like, and then where you would want leyline like against a burn deck or something, like Thorn is still okay against them, you know, or against like like uh, you know ad nauseum tendrils, it's still good, you know. Yep. No, that's definitely a good suggestion. Um, if we actually thought about Glow Rider on the way home, but um, again, I want to have access to a creature that that doesn't uh doesn't have to be found with Fauna Shaman. So I, I actually really like Thorn of Amethyst idea. Yeah, plus Amethyst comes down a turn quicker than Glow Rider, right? Mm-hmm, yep. Well, in your deck, doesn't it come out about the same time? Because you usually have a mana dork on the first turn. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, if, if you're just, if, if we're mulliganing, uh, if we're mulligan into uh, a, uh, an answer for a combo, then um, in general, like, you may not always hit your mana bug, but you know, with Thorn of Amethyst, you're, you're pretty much guaranteed a turn two Thorn if you can find it. Yeah, so I think, it, it, uh, it, at least yeah. with Thorn, you can slow him down enough to get your final shaman online, and then go get your answers in there. Yep, no, that's definitely a good idea. Like I'm think I'm thinking the the tutor, like enlightened tutor or worldly tutor, could like, like might even be better, you know, for those matchups. Because mm-hmm. with a mana guy, you can like you can tutor on turn two, and you have the two mana, you have three mana, and you you cast your uh, your two mana hate. 
You can always run Mind Break Trap, too. Yeah, Mind like Break Trap. 11 calls the red-blue card. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually like Mind, Mind Break Trap a lot, and I think it, it could serve... It could replace the Leylands out of the board, actually. Yeah, I also like to see a, um, an anger in here. I mean, how good was the Aiden Mind Sensor? Um, I, <laughs> funny is this, the only time it was relevant. I mean, I, I blew out my Junk Player in, um, I think it was round 8, or round... Oh, no, it was round 7. And it wasn't it wasn't that relevant. Like he fetched, and you know, I cast mind sense in response. And he didn't do anything. He just found some crappy land that he didn't, you know, that he wanted to put into play. But against um against Ali and Trazi, he um I I he, he activated Forge Master, and I and I flashed mind sensor into play, and he found a steel Hellkite in the top four. So I felt, I felt, I felt pretty awful. Like um it's it, it should be it should be okay when when you're when you're playing against fetch lands. Like Infernal Tutor is one that that I thought about. Enlightened Tutor, Worldly Tutor, all, all that kind of stuff. It should technically be good against those matchups, but I, I don't think it's that effective. Yeah, even Mind Center is one of those cards that I love. Like, mm-hmm. I want to play even Mind Center all day long, because I think, like, I think of all the scenarios where I can just blow my opponent out with it, but then when I actually play it, <laughs> it just blows. Like, it always does. I played it in uh, Mono White Parfait and Vintage, uh, and I was like, that's the whole reason I played the deck. I had foil Japanese ones, and I was like, Dude, I'm playing Aiden Mind Sensor. It's gonna stop so many tutors and like blah blah blah. <laughs> and like nope, like it just just sucked. And it was like a really bad creature too. It was like a, you know, I had two a two power creature for three mana. You know. Yeah, I mean the the only time that I really found it relevant was uh, right about right about the time Survival got banned. I changed my green white to include two Mind Sensor in the main. And to fight off the mirrors, and that was really good. But yeah, you know, now, survival, yeah, yeah. yeah, and and now with now without survival in the format, it's just this is kind of it, you know it's just kind of a little lackluster, I guess. That's why I say cut it for an anger, dude. So it turns on your final challenge, <laughs> your mana dorks, you know, makes hasty tarmogoyfs like. <laughs> you can give your vengeance vines haste. Oh, <laughs> oh, double haste. <laughs> yeah, you get to attack twice as fast. <laughs> It, it did feel good though. The uh, the sometimes in the weekend, you know, when I recorded the Vengevine, I was like, "Wow, this was really good," and I and I, and I, and I wish, you know, like I, the 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 archetype was a lot more stable. You know, I, sometimes I feel that's you know it's unstable. If I if I get a, a draw with just mana dorks, you know, I can't really can't really turn out a threat that fast. Where they force my my fauna shaman, which is my only business spell, I, I feel you know not great. But um, you know, kind of it, it it took me back to you know when when survival was legal, and I was like, "Man, I miss this card a lot," but. Yep. You said Queer and Rangers were really good. Would you play more if you played the deck in? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I, I was boarded one out against. I boarded one out against Control because I don't. I, I think that their removal is limited, and uh, you know they have four swords. They have they have fire spell, but um, in in general though, getting that getting that acceleration in turn two is pretty good. Um, I, I, I think I would play more if my mana base had more colors in it. So I probably go up to three, um, and uh, you know you can always survival the other ones away if you if you needed to. I thought about adding black to the deck at some point um, so that I can have access to discard and maybe extricate out of the board. Extricate another card that you want to just play with, but it's awful. Yeah, uh, well, it, it's only it's only useful against the it's only useful against like the graveyard combo decks. I mean. I think it does a lot to, to Icarid when you extirpate bridges or um, when you extirpate the Icarids themselves and they can't recur any guys to get tokens of bridge. So um, it also maybe it's just out of fear, but it's you know the Cephalobreath combo is just absolutely atrocious. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I know what the so, card does. I'm just saying, like, there's other options that are just better. Yeah. Yeah, people always seem to, like, really like the cards that search your opponent's library for a card and get rid of it. And they tend not to be as good as people think. Like, Cranial Extraction, Memoricide, Extirpate, all those cards. Whoa, did Alex just agree with me? What? <laughs> Are we in the freaking Twilight Zone? <laughs> <laughs> We're no longer in his fantasy world. <laughs> Welcome to the real world, bitch. <laughs> oh, man. Too many humans hooked up to wires here. <laughs> what, what do you think would happen if you're, uh, like, you're playing against High Tide and you extirpate the first High Tide that they cast while um. they're trying to go off? Yeah, that was that was the that was one of the scenarios that we were talking about. I talked to Ben a lot on the on the car ride home because you know he just got done playing nine rounds with it. So he actually you know he actually said if someone had extirpated his high tides and had stopped his initial attempt to go off, or you know even in a different scenario like thoughts is you take your high tide, extirpate your high tide at the at, at the end of your draw step, you know he could not have gone off at all pretty much. So. I kind of mentioned in the, at the end of the blog, I talk about or my tournament report. I talk about what I am looking forward to seeing at SCG Boston. So, um, for the high tide players, basically, I would expect possibly a situation where they're playing a deck with the four cunning wish still, but three high tides in the main and one high tide in the board. So it's kind of like you kind of like how Agro Loam was in, in a, a, like circa 08, 09, where they were playing three loams in the main with four burning wish, but if they got their loams extirpated, they could wish for the, the fourth one. So there's there's right now there's only three wishes in the in the oh, deck. Oh, right? okay. Yeah, I don't know. I I would assume that's what I've been. Um, well, we could we could check. This yeah. is actually. But I see what you're saying is basically move a high tide to the board. I don't. Yeah, I mean that would be the. I think that would be the natural reaction if if a deck with extra pay you know was shown beating the crap out of this high tide player because you know they couldn't go off. I mean that that's probably what the natural reaction would be for the next build. Like, I probably just wouldn't react like that. I mean, just because it's like, okay, you're going to thought seize me and then extirpate my high tide. Got me. Like, that's <laughs> fine, you know? But, like, if you're doing, if they try to do it when you're going off, you still maintain priority. So you could just be like, high tide, high tide. No, 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 no. It, it's, oh, yeah, well, if you, if, if you know that it's, if you know that it's coming, of course, you could. Well, you there's could no reason not to play the high tides first. Like, if you have two high tides, there's no reason to be like, High tide, ponder. Well, you, know, you no, always the, go. The the reason that you the reason that you wouldn't be able to cast both high tides while maintaining priority is you you want to you want to get the most value out of your high tides. So the first one you you would tap an island for you know and cast high tide. If you let the high tide resolve, you can cast your you can tap your second island for a high tide and float a blue. But in in the scenario you're describing, you'd have to you know play high tide, maintain priority. You tap out on a, up another island to cast high tide, so you're you're losing the one mana. I don't no, know if you that's have ever priority relevant. after your spell resolves. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so then oh, yeah, after yeah, the right. first high tide resolves, then you tap the island, float the two blue, play another high tide, and then whatever. If you have another high tide, play it because there's no reason to not play your high tide. It's like the only reason the only reason you start going to draw is when you have all your high tides are, are played. Yeah, okay, and then, okay. and then you want to dig for like a merchant scroll to get another high tide or whatever. Then like when all your high tides are gone, all your draw is gone, then you cast like a time spiral or a meditate and like refuel, you know? Mm-hmm. Man, John, what happened to you this like past week? Like all of a sudden you're not spouting out nonsense. 
<laughs> I have no idea, man. Maybe it's because I'm in work mode and I'm trying to bring the server up or something. <laughs> I'm just kind of like thinking all logically and stuff. <laughs> but I like, I actually, I agree with you. I mean, obviously, you know, the second high tide, you play there on a priority to extirpate you. And unless you're merchant scrolling, they're never going to get a chance before you've cast high tides. And I think you can even win just casting one high tide, which is... So mm-hmm. really, the only situation where the extirpate plan is that good is when they thought sees then extirpate you. Because, I mean, I think you could still even win without any high tides with, like, enough lands in play and turnabout, but that's just getting to be pretty ridiculously hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. You guys are just making me think, why not just play High Tide? Like, for GP Providence, just for me to practice with it, and just seems to be, like, so good. Yeah, yeah, you should... You still have time, like, to, like, sell blood, sperm, everything. (laughs) (laughs) You can have the candelabras, like, uh, when we go Seriously, KYT, it's next time you get a private jet, sell it back instead of just throwing it in the trash. (laughs) (laughs) That way you can buy yourself a High Tide deck. Because I think the main factor stopping, like, everybody from playing High Tide is the big price tag. But then again, well, maybe, maybe I'm yeah, wrong. And, well, and also <laughs> the fact that, like, 31,000 candelabras are, that have ever been printed, and, you know, there's not a lot of those in, exist, or in circulation right now. Uh, I saw, saw that number in the... Uh, four of them. <laughs> saw that number in a Madination article. We, we, know, we know that Medina isn't going, so, like, you can uh, try to negotiate... <laughs> Ma- Marcus, you mentioned well, you Ben. With terrorists. <laughs> you, you mentioned Ben got shipped to deck like last minute. Was it John? <laughs> no, no. Um, I, I Express cannot, mail. Yeah, yeah, John's like, I got you bailed, man. Uh, no, I, I cannot remember. Actually, it was just it was someone. I mean, obviously we're friends, but it was someone at the at the site. They were. Uh, he, he convinced them to do. Oh yeah, there. He convinced them to do the draft open, and he got the deck. So. Or two it is. He was about to play Affinity with, uh, you know, Tezzeret and whatnot, so... The it looks awful. The main deck would have been really good. <laughs> yeah, but I think I read somewhere that, like, 1% of all U.S. mail service is used by John Medina. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you really want to use the high tides, I'll rent them to you, or the... Uh... The high tides, the 50 cent cards? No. <laughs> <laughs> the high tides, I'm not... You can use the high tides, not the candlesticks. Man, KYT wants to play with candlesticks. <laughs> you want to play with my candlesticks, <laughs> So as we all know, Jesse Hatfield won the whole thing. My question is, how does the mirror play out? Is it, like, just the question out of my head, if if this deck somehow becomes quite popular despite the lack of candlesticks. Is it just, is there much interaction I, between the two? Um, I'm, I imagine that they would be boarding in their patent negations. Okay. But, you know, it, I th- that, that's I actually think, a pretty good question. I mean, I, I, I think that if you're playing the mirror, you leave all your mana untapped so you can start paying for your forcibles and start paying for your counter magic. Yeah, I think you just leave it untapped. And then, because um, their high tides make you tap for more. And then, um, and then you just cunning wish for a brainstorm when they when they green when they sun zenith you or something, and you just get them. Brain freeze. Oh, brain freeze. Yeah. Or you misdirection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, or misdirection. Well, I think like the problem with the boarding and pack negation plan is that pack negation is really only good aggressively. Like you, when you're going off, 
Whereas yeah, yeah. If you use um, it to defend like against them going off, then you they just say go and you die in your upkeep. Yeah, I think the, <laughs> I think the general. Well, I think the general plan against against the the mirror would be like I think I think both decks are going to have the inevitability. So given enough time, you know, both decks will go off. But um, you want to start merchant scrolling from for path negation so that you can protect your combo when you go off. But it's still I, I mean I think it's a pretty awkward situation because uh, when when you when you cast time spiral if you cast it at all you know. You, you're giving your opponent the chance to, you know, to get back in the game, so. I think you want to set up a point where, at end of turn, you turn about targeting them to tap all their lands. Mm-hmm. So that they can't do anything. And then and then go off, like, with a whole bunch of pack negations back up. But it's still really hard, because they have a lot of counters that you're going to have to fight through. Yep. What I would probably do is just be like, hey, dude... We're candlestick bros, okay? <laughs> Let's just draw this shit and beat the rest of these guys. <laughs> this is probably what the Hatfield brothers do when they meet each other. <laughs> They're just like, yep, we, we smoked this tournament. Let's uh, let's go home now. <laughs> yeah, if they do it one more time, it's going to be a hat trick, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> But uh, it just seems the power level of this deck is so high. I feel like I might, I might actually get some candlesticks. I don't know. We'll see. And maybe I know Frankie could like sell sell the Team America deck and <laughs> candlesticks. <laughs> I know where there's four candlesticks, man. Oh no! <laughs> if you need them, you gotta let me know because I can get them from this guy, but it's not gonna be cheap. Ugh. So I'm just letting you, you know, if you need to get four in one shot, you hit you gotta travel to the, the You've got to travel to the Philippines, and there's going to be, like, some hooker that will lead you down the highway. <laughs> and then and I'm going to you know, hike up a mountain, and I'm going to need a yeah. monk in a monastery. you to train for a month. Yeah, you might even miss the GP if you train for a month. That'd be Exactly. Terrible. I'm going to be training, and then I'll finally, you know, he'll take me to this, like, cave, and I'll go in the cave, and in there... There's going to be these candelabras, but I have to answer a riddle. <laughs> a riddle. I think you just need to find, like, it's a lot easier than that. You just need to find, like, the handyman that works nearby who's, like, Japanese or, or whatever. <laughs> and then just be like, you're you're Japanese, right? He says, yeah, my fa- father was a fisherman, and uh, he taught me karate or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I'm going to ask my Asian brother, Mark, how, how good do you think High Tide really is? Just- um, I think it's it's definitely has a weak point against counterbalance. Um, I, I don't I don't really know how the high tide decks can address that matchup. Um, mainly because you do have your three casting cost answers, but you need to dig for them a lot. So um, I think it has a natural weak, weakness against counterbalance. But besides that, it seems to do really well against the rest of the format. Um, mainly because I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of player too that are associated with your opponents. Like I, I sat next to Ben. In one of the later rounds, um, after he beat me, actually, but um, I sat next to him, and uh, you know his opponent thoughts used him, and he had like a time spiral in his hand, like a meditate, and something irrelevant, and his opponent took the meditate. You know, it was just, I, I think there's, it has a lot of, it has a lot of advantage because of the unfamiliarity with the archetype, and okay. with some players. But I, I think besides that though, it's very, it's very resilient against what's going on right now. Counter magic does not always stop it. Um, especially when you're playing in a format where, you know, there's only four hard counters in every deck. It's Force of Will. There's a lot of taxing counter magic, but if you can, if you can survive the initial, you know, spell piercer high tide kind of situation, um, you make infinite mana. So you're really, you're really worried about four total counters after that. I, I had a local guy. He was like, 
he's basically disassembling his junk deck and getting rid of it so he can build, like, something else. Because he's like, when I played High Tide, I played <laughs> against it, I felt like my deck was just doing something way too fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, like, that's definitely the, yeah. He thought sees me, turn one, I force a will, okay? Turn two, he thought sees me again, okay? I force a will again, okay? <laughs> Listen to this. No, no, we're not done yet. Turn three, he thought sees me again, I brainstorm, okay, hide my cards, and then next turn, I go off. <laughs> wow. He was just like, what the hell? The, the, the first game went like this. Uh, turn two, him to Torak me. I discarded two at random. I untapped and won. And then, and then after that, it was turn three. It was three thought seizes, and then I untapped and won. Yeah. Well, there's two logical conclusions you come to from this. One, that the deck's just insane. Or two, <laughs> that you're like the giantest Luxac ever. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been hearing that story a lot, though. The the whole, I got thought season hemmed, and the high tide deck still won. So I feel like it's... No, I, I agree. That's... It's, that like it's it's very easy to beat like a couple of hand disruption spells because you know you do have a card that makes you draw seven. Yep. Yeah, and a card that makes you draw four, which is still yeah. The, uh, yeah. Being able to meditate at the at, at, on your opponent's turn when you don't care if they're not applying any pressure because the only resource that you really need in this matchup is your twenty life. So if they can't kill you the next turn and and you can draw four, I mean that's that's fine. So that's the other that's the other important that's the, the important draw four in that deck. So. I think, sure. like, the only two cards that I fear is, like, Cabal Therapy and, um, like, a Resolved Counterbalance Top. Like, that's the only things that I really care about. Like, So, John, my question, uh, speaking of Cabal Therapy, my question would be, um, I didn't get to watch the coverage because I was at a local tournament, but I heard people talk about the Dredge deck. It actually beat uh, Alex Hatfield and that the Dredge deck... Because Mark just mentioned counterbalance maybe being uh, a bad matchup, would Dredge be a bad matchup? Have well, you played much against Dredge? I think that I think they were. I don't think it's like a fantastic matchup. It's not something where you're like, yeah, man, I can't wait to play Dredge. But, uh, <laughs> but like at the same time, I think I think their like unfamiliarity with High Tide, and maybe a little bit of unfamiliarity with Dredge. Like I feel like they were building it up to be more than it really was. I mean, when he beat Alex Hatfield, uh, there was times where if Alex would have just drawn a land, he would have just won, you know? So it wasn't like, it wasn't that, it wasn't that much of a of a blowout, so to speak. I mean, when they get their Cabal Therapies in the yard, and they can just strip your hand, sure, Cabal Therapies really good against uh, High Tide. Um, but, you know, besides, like, Cabal Therapies and, like, the Resolved Iona, like, those things, unless they're, I mean, if they're just making zombie tokens and stuff, it's not really that big a deal. You also have to remember that the, the Time Spiral actually just shuffles their graveyard back in. Right. So, like, when I was playing against my Dredge opponent, like, I turned Reed a High Tide, like, not even trying to go off, just saying, like, well, I'm just going to shuffle all his progress away, you know, and then, you know, we'll start over. You know what I mean? And, and I'll have three, good. and I'll have three islands which is a great place for me to start in seven cards, you know? What ended up happening is I just won because, like, 
you know, it just gave, it gave me what I needed to win, so I won. But I wasn't even planning on winning. It was just like turn three. I was just like time spiral. Like let's get let's get all that stuff in the graveyard back shuffled in. So I mean, if they have their cabal therapies, yeah, it's a, it's a tough road. But like in the coverage, like I said, Alex Hatfield had it a couple times, but he just didn't get that land or didn't get what he needed. You know. Yeah, I think also in the finals. Jesse got, got Cabal Therapy a few times, and he still won a game. So, well, at least that's what I heard. And I'm telling you, I'm, I, I feel like I, I need to get these candles. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, I wouldn't play Dredge because, A, this this uh, High Tide is not going to be a big percent of the field. So just because you have a good matchup against High Tide doesn't mean you don't lose to all the people who are packing Graveyard Hate now that Dredge is top eight at, like, twice now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, a, it's very risky to play Dredge right now. Yeah. I, I've never liked, I don't know, maybe I don't know how to play Dredge, but uh, tried it out a bit, and I just never get a that sing, single land that I need to start going. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, dredge, the Dredge deck is actually a great example that we can segue into um, what Alex wants to talk about. Uh, mana bases. Did you see the mana base on the Dredge deck that got second? I I did. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What that what is usually not in legacy uh, mana bases that was in there. Uh, Dark slick shores. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was using uh, scars of Mirrodin duels, which seems pretty good in that deck. Well, I mean, the deck only has twelve lands, so the chance of you getting a fourth land into play is pretty low, especially because four of them are cephalid Colosseums, which you plan to sacrifice. Yeah, so I mean, so. it's basically, you know, it's basically in more underground seas in yeah. that deck. So do you want to talk more about mana bases and such, Alex? Uh, sure. Um, well, actually, there's one, one last thing for the, about the High Tide deck that uh, I noticed that, you know, it's playing a, a bounce spell in the in the sideboard now. Uh, <laughs> no, it's... Uh, it's playing Snapback, right, John? Yeah, no, no, no. Actually, it's playing oh, no, Snapback. No, Snapback was the one you suggested that it should play. Yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. playing Snap, the one I thought was good. But okay. I did suggest cutting. I did suggest cutting to repeal for a bounce spell, right? Yes, you did. So I was close. Okay. Maybe someone's okay. listening to the Crazy Talk podcast. <laughs> but, but I do got to give you credit there, Alex. I did. I actually I wanted to bring this up because. I thought it was pretty cool that they're running a snap, and, uh, and and like after thinking about it, I think I think there are like probably few situations where you'd want a snap back, and uh, you know I think that uh, I think that snap is probably better. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. That warms my tiny little heart. <laughs> I'm trying not I'm not trying not to box with you. You know what I mean. I'm trying to save it for Frank, because Frank is on a roll tonight, but he hasn't been sharing it with the audience. Well, plus after our little meet and greet in that uh, room before, you've learned not to try and box with me, right? <laughs> uh, back to matter bases, Alex. Yeah, well, um, okay, well, the Dredge deck has four Underground Seas, four Dark Slick Shores, and four Cephalid Coliseum. So it's got a very light mana base. If you actually look at most Legacy decks, they also compared to, like, Type 2, they have a pretty light mana base. Like, type 2 decks, right, have 24, like, 27 lands. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Legacy, you tend to see, like, 
16 to 20 lands or so, right? Being much more common. Right. And usually four of those are wastelands, which seems like really greedy, right? I mean... And plus people are playing things like Stifle and Gaze and Curse Catcher. Like, why don't people in Legacy play more lands? That was my first question to you when I when I first played like Legacy. Uh, I was like, why do I only have so many lands like in play, and other people just have three? And why is casting watching coverage? Why is casting a Siege Gang Commander with five mana such a big deal? And uh, I guess now that I got more into the format, beginning to understand like the different type of mana base, as it's- you mentioned. I think in general, like, legacy players are just, like, a little bit better, so, like, they don't, like, they just draw their lands, man. They, <laughs> man. Those, those standard players just don't know how to draw lands. <laughs> more, more frank, more frank. I think a lot of it has to do with the, uh, how, how efficient legacy's creatures can be compared to that of standard. Um, and then, of course, like in the control decks in Legacy, they're probably long, long gone. But you know, you don't, you don't, you don't get the uh, luxury of having top or four brainstorm, four ponder, four, you know, four preordain, whatever. However many cantrips that you want to run in standard, you only get four preordain. So um, I think that has a certain factor to it. And um, yeah, I just, I just think that the overall mana curve of Legacy is lower than that of standard. Right. That's definitely a big factor. Yeah. The fact the mana curve is is lower, but. And when you're talking about cantrips, like you're say, basically saying that you should use cantrips to find yourself land drops, right? Well, it, it you, you should use cantrips to find what you need in the in uh, in whatever stage of your board development you have. So um, you can use the find land. Um, you know, I, I've I've done it before playing control and uh, um, having having access to a, to a draw through like or basically a draw through like brainstorm with a fetch land is really good. Um, but yeah, I mean. Uh, you're not always digging for threats. You're, you're digging for whatever advances your board position in the best possible way. Right. Like, something that maybe is useful for a lot of listeners is uh, how to play a brainstorm, one land brainstorm hand. Uh, I think a lot of the decks, basically, since they only play like 16 lands, you have to keep the hands that are like one land brainstorm if they have good other cards, of course. And, like, a lot of people I see going end of turn brainstorm or like just main phase one brainstorm, and that's not the way to do it. You want to usually cast brainstorm on your second turn. That way you actually get to see one card deeper because you've had your draw step. Mm-hmm. So you increase slightly your chance of drawing a land, which can be pretty relevant, especially if your land is your fourth card down. <laughs> <laughs> so my question is, Alex, is would you say that some legacy decks are a lot more inconsistent then, but like if you're getting these one line hands that really need a second one, or is it fine just because the the curve of the decks are, are lower? Well, I mean the curves of the decks are lower, but I mean as you said, you know you're still expected to like hard cast siege gang commander in some decks, <laughs> right? But, uh, though obviously that's not the plan A. Like <laughs> like a lot of the decks, you know, you have other ways of getting mana. Like you can use cantrips and stuff to find yourself land drops. Plus you have Aether Vial, which really allows you to cheat on your lands, because it effectively can tap for like 2, 3, 4 mana even by itself when you're popping out a threat. Um, but also, yeah, I think I think Legacy decks are a little less consistent in terms of the mana. Um, 
I, there's, I've seen so many games where someone, you know, keeps a one or two land hand, gets wastelanded or stifled a couple times, and then just dies because they have no more lands. Right. Like, I recall a game we had when, you know, you were playing Team America and I was playing Affinity, and you just wastelanded my first two lands, and that was it. You just played like a Goyf that attacked me and never played another land. <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah, think we- the spells in Legacy, like, are a lot more consistent since you have access okay. to all of Magic's cards. You get a lot of cards that do the same thing at similar mana costs. So, obviously, there's some cards that are just more powerful than others, like Tarmogoyf. So, Tarmogoyf is worth, like, even three mana, right? Which is why people green sun zenith for it. I thought Tarmogoyf was the vanilla creature, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, would you play a card that costs, like, a, an ornithopter that was an 11 11? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's terrible. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, that was another, you talked about reaction I got also by playing Legacy. I mean, why is there, with Wasteland in the format, when I was first introduced to it, which is very recent, so why, why are the people playing such low lands? <laughs> but I guess don't have to worry that much with, uh, if I play High Tide, with some decent amount of islands. <laughs> and, right, and I well, think about the, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, High Tide has a lot of islands, plus a lot of cantrips. But, I mean, I think the other reason is, in Legacy, you can't afford to flood out as much. Like, you really, each spell you draw is so powerful that it makes way more of an impact than one spell in, like, Type 2, right? Right. Like, an extra Squadron Hawk, let's say, is not, you know, <laughs> make as much of an impact as a Tarmogoyf, let's say, generally. Mark? Oh, yeah, I was going to mention that, like, you know, in certain aggro control matchups, like, uh, we were talking about Ban earlier online, so... Um, sometimes your opponent can't really afford to wasteland you because what happens is you have such a swing of tempo. Like, if I go turn one, Tropical Island, Noble Hierarch, and your first play on the draw is to wasteland me, um, there's a lot of lost tempo there. And, you know, even even extreme situations like that, I mean, that's obviously, a, you know, not, not the right play on turn one, but it, even, even in later st- stages of the game, when that happens, you still are gaining cumulative tempo. So... Um, you know, some decks can't really afford to do that. Um, the Wasteland issue, I don't think it's as big, because it's still a 4 of in your deck. Um, it's still basically a spell, but the only times I'm really worried about Wasteland are the recurring Wastelands. So when there's life in the loam involved, that's when you have an issue with your two landers. Um, but you generally don't have a problem with just a, a two lander against a, you know, like Junk, for example. Right. I mean, him to Turak often actually denies you lands, because you're discarding lands, and then they're Wastelanding you, or Vindicating you, and, uh, and, and a lot of legacy decks try and attack like the mana base, right? That's why people are playing Stifles. It's, mm-hmm. it's mainly for mana and days and all that all that crap. And you know, some some decks ultimate plan like is Crucible of Worlds, Wasteland, or Life from the Loam. Like the life, the lands deck really tries to hit your mana while developing their own. Yeah, and, and and that's the deck that I was I was mentioning when I was like you know I'm those are the yeah. decks I'm afraid of when there's like recurring wasteland that's an issue but um, yeah like like uh, go ahead I guess that's just what I want to mention yeah I mean decks like lands really you know abuse the power of all the lands you have access to in Legacy I mean Dredge right plays four Cephalid Coliseum which is like so insane in that deck because getting threshold is like kind of like drawing one card right. <laughs> Like, drawing a Golgari Grave Troll gives you Threshold, and then you can use your Colosseum <laughs> to mill half your deck or something. Right. And the the Lands deck, you know, uses Tabernacle and Wastelands and Maze of Ith and Mishra's Factory and 
all that stuff, you know, it really, really abuses the fact that lands are super powerful in the format. But, uh, uh, but Mark, you said you, you're, the deck you played, right, was playing one copy of Taiga and one Magus of the Moon? Yeah. So that's obviously to shut down people who are relying mostly on non-basic lands, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I kind of, I think I mentioned earlier that I played against, uh, 43 land in the Legacy Challenge on Saturday, and, you know, that's a huge blowout. They have, they do have outs to that card, but, um, it gives you, it slows them down just enough that you can win the game. And, um, and, and I guess in a more popular archetype relevant to, um, you can, you can actually drop this against junk sometimes, and, you know, if they waste the removal on your Tarmogoyve, and, you know, they fetch out Savannahs, Horizon Canopies, Wastelands even, um, if you drop a Magus of the Moon, you can win the game. And of course, in more relevancy, the four counterbal- four color counterbalance deck. You know, um, having a mana base that relies on so many dual lands, sometimes those effects, when they're in the meta game, they can just shut you down. Yeah, but when you're fighting wasteland, I find a lot of people, you know, they fetch for basic lands with their fetch lands, which intuitively right makes sense. But I find actually mm-hmm. often you want to more non-basic to play to fight wastelands because they're going to waste on your non-basics anyways, and. So so if, if you have, they have two waste plants and you have three underground seas or you have an island and two underground seas, you're still going to end up with one land, but in case you're going to have an underground sea left, in the other case you're going to have an island, and so you actually still have your black mana if if you found an underground sea. Like, obviously, if you have multiple fetch lands, just getting all your basics out is the best play. But if you have a mix of, let's say, fetch lands and non-basics, the best way to fight Wasteland to not color screw you is to actually find it on basics. Yeah, that's very true. And the three color decks, um, you know, you're, I don't think there's ever going to be a situation where you can rely on getting perfect mana. So you can theoretically have three fetch lands to find three basics, but when you do get the situation when you have like basic, basic, and then an off color duel, and you lose that duel land, um, that's kind of the situation you don't want to be in. So. Yeah, like I've seen counterbalance players, you know, fetch for island fetch for planes, fetch for forest or whatever, and then be like, oh, I can't count my counter spell or my counterbalance and, like, you know, or, oh, they finally rip a non-basic or whatever, and then you wasteland that and they're screwed. Yeah, I think sometimes it's important, like, to, like, you have to kind of, like, sacrifice your land to get the spell that you need, you know, like, to get your counterbalance out, you know. Right. I mean, I, I think also sometimes, if, if say you have a slow hand that has a lot of lands in it, you want to purposely, like, bait them into wastelanding you so that they slow down and gives you time to, like, draw into some early game stuff. But definitely wasteland is one of the huge things in this, uh, in, in the format. Which is why, how much are they now, uh, John? <laughs> well, uh, it's kind of like... It's kind of unknown at this point how <laughs> exactly they are, but I know that Troll and Toad is buying at sixty. How? Yeah. How, may, how much is uh, Star City Game pushing the price up to? <laughs> oh man! Would you say? Would you say oh! buy? Uh oh! <laughs> are you trying to? Are you trying to to talk about this article on on Manimation? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm just uh, I'm just uh, solely inting at it. <laughs> <laughs> Star City Games is is uh, what they're trying to do is stock, you know, for the for the need, yeah. 
So Sorcity Games has them at 60 and they're sold out. But they're not 60 because cause Troll and Toad is buying at 60. So, I mean, it wouldn't make sense for a retailer to sell them at 60 when another retailer is buying them at 60. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if, you know, if I had a wasteland near mint and I sold it, it'd be $75 what I sell it for. So, if, if you could pick up one at 60, would you do it? Yeah. What about someone starting Legacy now? Would you recommend they buy Wastelands? Yeah, definitely. I mean... Engage, right? Engage. Engage. <laughs> I, I, think that, I think that Wastelands, they need to pick those up now. Um, I said in my article recently that I think uh, Wastelands going to hit 100. If, uh, if, if we still continue on the path that we're continuing on where the prices are going, because right now the prices are jumping up, and things are trying to catch up. The dual lands are still trying to catch up. I don't think the dual lands are where they should be. You know what I mean? So, like, what I would recommend is the cards that I would recommend right now that haven't already got close to where they're, you know, might settle. Like, I think Force of Will might settle soon. You know, it's at 90 right now. So I think it might settle soon. But, like, like Dark Confidant, I think that's really ripe to be picking up right now because I don't think it's fully matured to its full price. Um, the dual lands, I think that now, well, you know, last year would have been a great time to get them, but like, you know, or, or when Frankie bought his 40, you know? <laughs> um, the only and, 40 uh, I buy is like, it's alcohol. Anyways, go on. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I think Wasteland, Dark Confidant, um, and if you, I mean, cards that I've been getting asked for a lot, I've been getting a lot of people into Legacy, like giving them the cards they need. And the cards that I don't, that I'm out of right now are, uh, Sensei's Divining Top, uh, Vindicate, um, Natural Order, and Onslaught Fetchlands. So, like, I think Onslaught Fetch, any of those cards that I just listed, like, and I'm, like, seriously, like, picking up a lot of legacy cards. Like, I have, like, over, you know, 15 Force of Wheels. So, like, if I have over 15 Force of Wheels and no Sensei's Divining Tops, you know, I, I think I have one dark confidant. That should tell you something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> definitely the staples that are, are important for Legacy, right? Force of Will and Wasteland are probably the two that pop up right away, right? And Tarmogoyf? Yeah, Force of Will, Wasteland, Tarmogoyf. That's the holy trinity mm-hmm. of Legacy. I mean, Tarmogoyf is just super good, and you can play it in, like, any deck pretty much. But Wasteland and Force of Will, I find, like, hold the format in check. I think without Force of Will, like, all the combo decks would be way too de- degenerate. Like, you know, for instance, Ad Nauseam decks, you know, just, or Belcher, let's say, right? Just yeah. kill you turn one every time. Huh. Yeah, but, definitely. And, and Wasteland stops, like, with Fetchlands plus Dual Lands, if Wasteland was not around, like, there, everybody would just play five color decks, right? There would be no point in, in not splashing for, like, all the best cards. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, Wasteland I mean, keeps, the, keeps people from doing that. I mean, yeah, this is, you could, you could definitely like, use all this logic and this, you know, whatever to figure it out. Or you could just say, look, I'm sold out of these because people keep buying them until they sell. <laughs> they're they're going to go up because, like, I can't keep them in stock. Like, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I think that people should, if they're trying to get in a legacy, they should definitely get their, their Trinity, the, the Tarmogoyfs, the for, uh, Force of Wheels and the Wastelands. And, and, and you, I think onslaught fetches—you should be picking those up too. I mean, 
Yeah, though I think if you're a beginning legacy player, like you can probably manage just with the Zendikar ones, right? Um, I don't think so because, like, like you just said about mana bases, and like Mark was saying about basic lands, like I think I think basics are really important for those early game tempo, you know, tempo plays and stuff. You know, I mean, it, it really sucks when you, you know, get a get a dual land and then you play your noble hierarchy and then get wastelanded. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, play play a dual line. If you're using it for something right away, then it's at least you got some use out of it. So you gain some tempo. Yeah, but the thing about the fetches, um, the onslaught fetches, is that you can fetch the basics you need in the in the early turns to uh, to you know mount a board position before you get wastelanded out. You know. Well, if you're in that combination of colors, obviously, Zendikar fetch lines work the same if you're playing those colors. It just yeah. matters which colors you're playing to find the basics of. But yeah, sure, this is definitely true. But when we're talking about price, like we can't talk about specific decks because, like, more the the onslaught because the onslaught fetches are the correct choice for certain decks, and then and then can be used otherwise, and then the other fetches are sometimes not the correct choice but can be used otherwise. Like the correct choice card is always going to be worth more. Because more people are going to want it. Plus, the onslaught fetches are out of, out of, uh, you know, circulation and stuff. So, like, what I'm saying is, like, you're saying, what should people get if they're trying to get into legacy? And I'm saying onslaught fetches because, sure, they can get the Zendikar fetches anywhere. I, I picked up like, I mean, I picked up twelve of those when I was trading just yesterday. You know, so those aren't hard to get. The things that are going to be hard to get are the onslaught fetches. So that's what they need to get. All right. Well, um, Frankie, did you want to, you wanted to talk about elves, right? The deck. No, no, I didn't want to talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to talk about, Frank? I, I think he wants to talk about Adrian Sullivan. <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about Adrian. <laughs> don't you want to talk about back in the day? <laughs> back in the days, man. <laughs> Frankie, you were there, right, back in the day? Like, Yeah, yeah, I was there. Uh, when drove, uh, drove you your could, dinosaur to work. You, you remember when the Black Vise was legal as a four of? No, <laughs> uh, so I, I think I was, like, still in diapers. That was, yeah, yeah, you were probably in diapers, but that was pretty brutal. <laughs> People would play stasis and... You just die to these black mice. <laughs> so what do you want to talk about, Frank? Because very a bunch of people have left comments saying they want more Frank. They want more of me. Yeah. Can we yep. do can we do a deck tech with Frank section right now? Yeah, just, Frankie's corner. Yeah, Frankie's corner. Pick <laughs> a deck, Frank, and, and then you can say whatever you want about it. Not high tide. <laughs> Not high tide. <laughs> Did you want to talk about the Team America deck that you played this week? Yeah, yeah, that seems interesting. Okay, so you played. <laughs> <laughs> so you decided <laughs> to play Jerry T's uh, sort a modified version of his uh, new Team America, right? Yes, I played uh, his version. That basically, like the just to go over the little differences. It was running uh, extra discard over stifles, 
and uh, it was running uh, Dark Confidants over the Tomb Stalkers, and uh, it also like it was it was uh, running like a few uh, like um, was running less ponders, and uh, it had like a few other different cards. It had Terrorvores, it had uh, Spell Snare. And, uh, yeah, and the, the other, like, it was, like, I was running three thought seas instead of, uh, instead of the stifles. So I, I went, uh, 3-1 at the, uh, Tuesday Night Legacy with it. So what did you think of the, the, the new changes? Like, what I, like, at multiple time, uh, like in my four matches, like I I, st- I started the game with Thought Seize into him to Torak, and uh, like sometimes that was just game, because <laughs> like then like you wasteland their first land after that, and like they're like they're dead to your days, and uh, you have a you get a threat on board, and they can't do anything. <laughs> Sounds awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so that was uh that was pretty brutal when it when it came out. And uh I played like my first my first uh, game was against uh Ad Nauseam. And uh it it uh like it got it got to time and it was running for like forever like and and, and in one game that I I just couldn't find any threat in my deck. And uh, the guy was beating me down with double Dark Confidant on his side. <laughs> and then, like, I was, I was, I think I was down to five life, and he had, like, all these cards, and I was like, please, kill me, storm, do something. <laughs> and uh, he eventually got there. <laughs> But like uh, in like in those in those uh, in those two games uh, like I, I was uh, like I was majorly screwed like uh, like one game I was mana screwed and uh, then the other one I, I didn't have any threats so that that was like m- my deck kind of failed on me against uh, this guy. So you just lost at nauseum. Yeah. What did you beat? What did you beat? I beat. I was. Uh, I played against uh, the dredge deck. Okay. And uh, I managed. I managed to beat him. Uh, like just getting pressure and like disrupting him, uh, removing his. Uh, like I, I wasn't like I, I was like the I, I thought he's like a, a careful study, so he couldn't like be dredging too much. Okay. And, uh, I just I just beat him down, and like at one point I kind of like stabilized and. Uh, I, I was kind of like uh, holding him off, and uh, the se- the second game was was really weird because like I don't know what like it seemed like he wasn't really playing seriously because he was trying to beat me down with uh, Stinkweed. And- <laughs> <laughs> Man, Stinkweed up is the nuts against Tarmogoyf. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Golgari thugs. He was beating me. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like he was recurring narcomebas with the uh, cuz when you when the when the thug dies like you you can <laughs> That reminds me a little bit of uh, when when dredge was an extended 
and there were dredge mirror matches where both players would sideboard in four ley lines of the void. And, you know, if both players started with a lane line in play, the game was what we called the, the blind cripple fight. Where basically both players are just, like, playing lands and hardcasting Narcomoeba Stinkweed Imp. <laughs> like, Stinkweed Imp was the best creature at that point in the mirror match, so, like, you always wanted to save your Dark Blast to Dark Blast their Stinkweed Imp. <laughs> it was just, like, really funny. <laughs> and I remember, like, two of my friends were playing for Top 8, both playing Dredge, and they got to this situation. And it was just, like, attack for one. Attack you for one. Attack for one. And then the other guy was playing, like, a five-color mana base, hard cast and a chroma. <laughs> wow. Um, that's hilarious. <laughs> then uh, the next game I played against, um, like, it looked like a uh, homebrew deck. And uh, it was, um, it was, play- it was basically playing, um, Black white, and okay. uh, like he had thought seas. I I think he, I think he had Imtathorax. He had uh, Tide Hollow Scholars, like a lot of hand disruption. And uh, he was also playing uh, Tomb Stalkers, Baneslayer Angels, <laughs> and uh, Vindicate Vindicates and Sor- Source of Plowshare. So it was it was basically like uh black white good stuff. <laughs> and uh like I was playing like one of those games like he was beating me like pretty hard. <laughs> and uh I managed to stabilize that uh, I managed to stabilize that one life by uh, getting Jace out. And then I bounce his Tomb Stalker, and like he he couldn't replay it because like he had the he had the exiled his graveyard, and like that bought me time. I and eventually I got there, and I beat him at one life. And like at, toward the end of the game, like I was at one life, but like I I, I even played one of my Dark Confidant because like with Jace I could uh, I could manipulate the my draw so that I wouldn't die. <laughs> and like he was getting one low on life at that point, so. And uh, and then like the the second game, like that was one of those games where uh, I thought seized him to him. And like he had like no cards left, I wasted I wastelanded one of his lands, and uh, he was just uh, like he couldn't play anything, and I, I had a threat. So, and I, I think that game I also had like multiple dazes. So like he, even if he uh, he would have found a land, he he, he could have been uh, playing anything. And uh, like my last game was against. Uh, it was against the Elf deck, and, like, that's, uh, that's <laughs> a deck that we haven't talked about. And, like, the when, when I started getting into Legacy, that was, like, the second deck I built. But uh, back, in, back in the days, uh, survival was legal. <laughs> so, like, the Elf deck was, like, uh, a little bit different. But, like, uh, now the, the version that runs is more... Uh, <laughs> It's more of a glimpse of nature uh, combo elf deck, and uh, that's what the the it was uh, Justin Richardson like he's a he's a local player that uh, that's always at the store and he's uh, he's always uh, he's always top aiding the local events and he's 
I think he's already qualified for the uh, the store in the Invitational tournament. Yeah, he got uh, he got he got he, some kind person split with him in the finals of that because they were already qualified. <laughs> Is that you? <laughs> Are you that kind person? Perhaps. <laughs> ah. Oh man, that reminds me of that uh, what that whole thing with Michael Posgate. Have you guys <laughs> have you guys heard the the interview on Sarkington Post? Yes, I I did listen to it. Did I didn't get to listen to it, but everyone's like. Everyone's like, "Yeah, man, he sounds like like total scumbag in that in that interview." <laughs> yeah, I saw like I, I I saw those comments, then I listened, and <laughs> then I didn't think he was a scumbag. Oh, oh man! Like this, this I care about this so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this random guy yeah, that uh, got the uh, band. <laughs> Mark, yeah. Mark well, do you have yeah. an opinion? Do you know Michael Posgate? <laughs> I, I met him at I met him at DC. I mean, he just uh, he just seems out there. But uh, I, yeah, I heard the I heard the interview. It just it, it just seemed like he was trying to you know trying to kind of change words to his liking. But you know, at the end of the day, I think you know. I, I mean, I'm not going to say he's, he's guilty or innocent, but it didn't sound like he could he could have changed the opinion very much about him. Yeah, I think that I, I, I guess this. I guess the guy he tried to bribe was a friend of mine. Oh, for real? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't know this until like I was at the shop the other day. Um, for the record, I don't. You know, I've loaned Michael Posgate cards before, and like I, I talked to him at tournaments and stuff. I don't have any real issues with him. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but because uh, and I don't really concern myself with the drama. You know, like. What, whatever happened, happened. You know, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get mixed up in that. You know, but uh, <laughs> but somebody, uh, somebody said that, yeah, man, he tried to, he tried to bribe Lopi, and I'm like, Lopi, and Lopi's our friend, you know, and he's like, yeah. So they they told the story, and I guess the story that he told on the cast, and I don't know this because I haven't heard it, but and I don't even know what the real story is, but I guess it's different than what really happened. Is that what you heard, Mark? Oh, sorry. I was, I was trying to find a link to the uh, to the Michael Posga interview. What was that? Did you hear that it was a different story than like what actually happened? I mean, I I just heard that. Um, he, see, I, I think when he was in the interview, he said something about like I gave my opponent my contact information or something like that. I mean, I, I didn't, I, you know. And uh, I think the story that I that I had heard was he um, there was a very specific sentence now that you know we kind of we kind of joke about now in our play group, but. He, he told his opponent that it wouldn't be financially beneficial to draw here. That was what. That's what he told his opponent. So you know, it's. I don't know. There's a. Uh, it's. You know. There's no way to tell. It's, there's no. There's no way to tell exactly what happened. But, um. You know. And I don't know whose story is right. But, yeah. That line, like you could, you could sell that line, John. Man. I'm gonna use that line. <laughs> it wouldn't be financially. man. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, we 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 made it into a joke in our play group. You know, like we'll we'll go to lunch and you know, feel like I just like it isn't financially beneficial to, to buy the chicken sandwich. You know, it'd be something like that. Wow, <laughs> he's been immortalized in your play group. <laughs> so like, so like, whenever you ask someone to buy you lunch, you're pulling a pause game. <laughs> like, dude, I forgot my wallet. I'm about to pull a pause gate here. <laughs> it's gonna be the pause gate check now, right? 
But seriously, no. it's like seriously, but to, to Pazgate, don't sue. <laughs> Please don't sue us. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, Pazgate's gonna listen, he's gonna be pissed. I, I, and then in six that. months, when we see him at another tournament, he's gonna tell us. Have you, have you ever been in one of those, uh, situations, uh, Jonathan? Where somebody asked me to, like, draw to them or something? No, but, like, let's say you, you're playing against someone, you're on the bubble, and, like, you guys are about to draw, and, like, you're gonna knock each other out of the tournament, basically, by doing so. Uh, I've been on the bubble and had to draw, um, but, like, the way that I see it is, like, look, one of us should have played better, and now we're drawing. Tough shit. You know what I mean? Like, just the way it is. Okay, so <laughs> right. you, you take the draw and... Uh... Yeah, I, I don't ask for a concession or, like, anything like that. Or, you know, I've never been asked for a concession, but if they asked me, I don't know what I'd say. I'd probably, like, be like... I don't know, dude. I'd... What if it was me asking you? <laughs> what if, <laughs> be like, what if it a draw. was... Okay, KYT, it's a draw. <laughs> if it was a friend, I would what? be like... Is it financially beneficial for me to draw to, to let you have in here? <laughs> if it was if it was KYT and he had the kill on the board, but you uh, you don't get an extra turn basically to finish the game, would I you give would you I give it to him or? I think I'd be like, uh, let me see your trade binder. <laughs> we'll talk about this. <laughs> no. That's how you get disqualified, Jonathan. <laughs> I feel like, oh, I thought the game was over. We were just going to trade. Why am I getting disqualified? <laughs> so, so, no, um, yeah, I would, uh, if, if the guy had the kill on the board and he wasn't a douchebag, then I would just give it to him. But, like, yeah. sometimes there's guys who are, like, it almost seems like the guys who would ask, and I'm not saying that, I'm not trying to generalize that everyone who asks for a draw is a douchebag, but it almost seems like anyone who, would, who like, had the kill on the board and would just ask, it seems like they might be a douchebag. Like, like I know the douchebag when I sit down because it's like, it's the guy I don't want to play against because he's a douchebag and it's unpleasant to play against him because he's taking this way too fucking serious and, like, it's just like, you know, he's playing like, I don't know, uh, like we're, like we're jousting knights or like, like it means anything, okay? It, it's just like, this is awesome. <laughs> and so like, he's like, you know, the kind of guy who's like, uh, when I'm thinking about something, he's like, uh, my go, my go, and it's like, yeah, when it's your go, I'll tell you. Why don't you just chill out over there and like, catch Oh man. <laughs> like, it's that yeah. kind of guy. These are like, the reasons why Medina's a bam. <laughs> yeah, he's bad, for sure. So it's like that kind of guy that I can already tell, or like the kind of guy that like tries to catch a look at like what I'm playing when I'm shuffling, or like, you know, you could just tell this like guy who's like in it to win it. And then it's like, look, you think you're so badass at this game, but yet you couldn't fucking close the deal, and now you're going to ask me for a draw? Like, no. And I'm just a knowledgeless fool who just trades cards. <laughs> <laughs> Shame on you. Yeah. yeah, so it's just like, dude, if you if you want to win, then win. And if you can't win, then you just can't win. You can't have the win for free, you know? You got you to gotta be, you know, you got to play faster. Yeah. But but if it was a, if it was a cool guy who was just like we were talking the whole time and like 
you know, he was like, you know, not being pushy and just like enjoying the game with me. And like he had the win on the board. I would, he wouldn't even have to ask. I would probably just be like, you know what? I'll give it to you, dude. I, I wasn't going to win that game and you had the win on the board. If we had five more minutes, then it would have been over anyways, you know? I'm the same thing, John. I've conceded to a Boros player when I was at One Life and, and this is type two, of course, and where I wasn't going to win at all. And any any card at all, relevant card he was going to draw, he was going to win the game. And I just gave it to him. But I always think back that I'm also... I never think back that I'm also screwing a guy that would have made it in, right? Had I not scooped to this guy. So I, I really don't know what's the right thing to do, in well, quotes. You know, that guy should have just played better then, you know? <laughs> like, then he wouldn't be in that position where he could get screwed by a draw or by a, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. Like, I have no sympathy for these guys. Like, Just trying, play better, that's their motto. play better, dude. Like, you know, don't cry, play better. Okay? Stop bitching, start playing. <laughs> don't play bad, because it's bad, okay? <laughs> Like, I'm never, I'm never bummed about that. Like, if I lose, then I lose. Like, it's just, I should have just played better. Like, I don't like, oh man, I almost top eight it. It's like, yeah, but you didn't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the, the harsh truth. I don't know how I react if someone actually, like, during a match said, it's not financially beneficial for us to draw. I'd be like, what does that even mean? Like, what are you, what are you trying to say here? You'd hit Medina on your speed dial and be like, Medina, he's told me it's not financially beneficial to draw. What does that mean? Should I sell him my Jesus? You should just respond back, hey, it's not financially beneficial for you to bribe people. <laughs> That's not beneficial. <laughs> Well, how do we go from Elves deck to this? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, the Elves deck dies to uh, Dark to Bribery. <laughs> to Bribery? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you take, but if you cast Bribery against the Elf deck, you take their Ember Pool. Yeah, you take their Ember Pool. <laughs> that was such a genius play on words that I was just like, I'm going for it. <laughs> yeah, it's like the first time in your life you've done something genius. <laughs> <laughs> what a troll. So the Elves deck is actually a decent deck. I see that it top-aided, right, in Atlanta? Yeah. Uh, one version of it. And I think it's an Asian guy by his last name. <laughs> Not that it's relevant or anything. Are we going to just point out all the Asian guys? Because, you know, I'm going to point out, you know, uh, all the Mexican guys who win. How about that? I thought you were the only Mexican who could afford magic. <laughs> Wait, according to Gordy Tate, right? <laughs> I guess but Edgar Flores, right? He does alright. His whole deck is foil. Oh man. His Sick whole deck. deck is foil and he wins tournaments. What's up with that? Kind of also funny, he's like been in four top eights, right? First yeah. time, lost in the top eight. Second one he lost in the top four. Third one he lost in the finals. Fourth one he finally got there. He's actually fit in five because he was in a legacy top eight too. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, in first type two with Conway. Yeah, type two. Like yeah. he's worked his way up, literally. It's like scripted almost. <laughs> yeah. And is is like the Star City Games opens? Are they like all set up? It's like <laughs> they, they are. They are minority friendly. Is it like spoiler alert? Like is it like uh, WWF? <laughs> Dude, if it was, I would have been wanted to be the token Mexican who like wins tournaments, you know. But you need to I guess wear a I mask. should just play better, right? <laughs> you should just play better, and you have to wear a mask. 
<laughs> like a Nacho Libre mask. Yeah. <laughs> Nacho! <laughs> that would be so sick. Okay, I want to ask Mark, uh, how, have you played uh, the Elves deck against it? Is it a legit deck, or? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the... I, I, I actually play against regular, like, the uh, basically what it's the remnants of the Elf Survival deck. And I think against, you know, against the fair decks in the format, it's pretty good. Um, okay. It, there's there's a lot of times where you're going to be spending a lot of removal just one for one them, and then, you know, they have this one turn where they just dump, like, four guys on the board, and then you lose. So, um, <laughs> But the Elf Combo deck, um, I think the the version that, that David Vo was playing, I'm going to look up the list real quick, he had Natural Order and a potential combo off in the same deck, right? Let's actually find that out. No, he didn't. He didn't have uh, natural order. Really? Okay. No, he just Might plays uh, glimpse, and uh, okay. So he goes crazy with the. Uh, <laughs> no, crazy. Crazy with elves, man. Crazy. Oh, okay, elves. yeah. This is this is the version. With the, yeah, this says so. He has the ability to hardcast and recall, and yeah, I mean, he can he can still. There's a lot of situations like he has the Crown Ranger and the uh, and the Mana Bug thing too. And Wireless Symbiote is a really important card in this deck because it saves all your elves from removal, and you can get a lot of mileage um, out of you know. Uh, let's see what does he have here. Oh, he doesn't actually have. He doesn't, he doesn't actually have any. Uh, well, yeah, you can get a lot of mileage out of all the visionaries. I was going to say if he had a Sylvan Messenger in here, um, he could draw more, but apparently not. Yeah, that's the. You're thinking of the one that uh, top eight the week before. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, so. that one had the messengers and it had um, the the natural orders. Yeah. And yeah, I, that's uh, more that's more of the survival like the the survival deck minus survival. Cuz b- back then when I was playing it with survival, that's that's what it was running. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at this at the new list. Yeah, so um, yeah, the wireless symbiote it just it untaps your uh, Elvatar's druids, untaps your Prince Titanias, gives you a lot more fuel when you're starting to go off. So yeah, it's still a, it's still a really good list that he has here. Yeah, I have a funny elf story where with my uh, my friend Ben Moore, he's playing elves in a tournament and he's against this you know blue control deck, and you know he passes the turn and then he remembers you know he doesn't want to let his opponent draw a counterspell. So he plays Summoner's Pact, and he plays another Summoner's Pact, you know, to get his elves. And then the opponent draws his card, ships the turn, and then he, Ben Moore looks down at his three forests and just dies. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he do... He did that so his Summoner's Pact would resolve? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I used to... Yeah, like, like, yeah, I, guess, I guess that was a little bit, like, scumbaggy, but... I used to do that in um, when those were in standard, the packs. Like, people would play them in random decks. And so whenever they cast a pack, I would take as long as I could on my turn. And then I would start a conversation with them in the middle of my turn. (laughs) And then I would just keep talking, like, through their draw step. And then, like, as soon as they drew, I'd be like, dude, you just lost. Oh, man. Like, Mid-conversation, I'd be like, yeah, so my friend, we were, like, at the gas station, and then I'd be like, Chris, you just lost. John Medina, ladies and gentlemen. Man, you're... Yeah, you're... Uh, what, what do you mean? And then and then he would, like, quickly tap his man, and i go, no, 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 dude, you drew your card, you lost. Man. <laughs> my first experience ever playing... I, I think you need, you need to take lessons on ethics, Jonathan. <laughs> hey, there was, like, you know... There... The game. 
there's a known Japanese pro that, like, he said openly that he wouldn't take a win this way. Kenji <laughs> Sumera. Yeah. Yeah, he really? reminded his opponents of uh, of paying for the pact and stuff. But, yeah, but he, he's the only one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's awful nice. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, there's a reason it says you lose the game. On the- <laughs> okay. no, I, I remember I, uh, a story at the GP this past summer. Um, a, a guy, a guy got pacted, and he had no outs the next turn. But he draws a Jace for the turn, so he just plays it. Fate seals his opponent, and his opponent put a dice on top of his deck to remind him of the upkeep. Yeah, like he just like brushes it aside, and then you know, <laughs> the upkeep happens, and the draw step happens. He's like, you lose. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's the sickest. Now, my my first ever experience playing with packs was Future Sight had just come out, and with my so one of them to you know pick the red pack because that card's obviously insane in draft, but you know four four giant into play or whatever since B and you know you have to pay five one, one red for colorless in your next turn, and so he was like splashing that in his black green deck with like, a couple you know, edged autumns to find uh, find some. His mountain, and so he he uh, he found his mountain, and obviously I attacked into him, and he played that as a combat trick and blocked my guy, and then I played purple. Uh, what was uh, that, John? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even oh, you can hear me. Card's called, but uh, two blue blue card that puts a creature or line on top of its owner's library. So I put his mountain on top of his deck, and he died in his upkeep, obviously. <laughs> oh man, that's brutal. But actually, talk about that with packs. I think I was reading the coverage of the SCG Open, and uh, I think this elves guy actually lost to Pack, didn't he? Yep, he did. Like, it, uh, in he the forgot game. to pay for Pack. His opponent noticed that he hadn't paid it in his turn, and they went like three mm-hmm. turns later. And then somebody remarked that he didn't pay for Pack, and he lost. No, no. Let me explain what happened. So he packed. Okay, he did all this stuff. Passes the turn, right? Yeah. So then the opponent takes his turn, passes it back, right? So they're in the middle of this other guy's, like, second turn here without paying for the pact. And then um, Edgar Flores, you know, my brother from another mother, <laughs> Edgar Flores tells the judge, hey, he didn't pay for his pact. And then the judge is like, okay, you lose. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's really weird because I, I I'm not sure that that's the right call, is it? No, it is. It is. They talked about it. They talked about it on the coverage about how the judge was like, "Look, it's a delayed trigger, and because there's no way to res- there's no need to restore the game state because once you miss to pay for the pack, you're just like a ghost. You lose. Like, <laughs> it's it. There is, there's the ghost nothing, rule. <laughs> there's nothing that happens after that. You just you lose. You know, so it was just like the guy was in the middle of the turn, and he's just like, "Yep, you lose." And then he's like, "Oh well, you know." He probably raised the same question, like, "How we we didn't realize and like blah blah blah." And he's just like, "So what?" Like, you You should you should avoid playing these types of cards, uh, KYT. Yeah, me. (laughs) Cards that say you lose the game on him. Yeah, Yeah. I'll mind trick myself to. well, like, even, I guess even a lot of people get, uh, need reminders and need to put dice, need to put coins or whatever to, to, or like Luminarch Ascension in Type 2. Cause I only play Type 2, of course. Um. Cause you're a knowledgeless fool. 
I'm a legacy uh, list fool, I guess. Um, but <laughs> you have no legacy. <laughs> I have no legacy. <laughs> but yeah, I guess there's just so many things that people, like everybody, I, a lot of people I know need reminders for. I mean, I don't know about you guys. You guys play packed without always remembering. Like when I when I watch the coverage, I always like if they don't put a reminder, I'm always like, oh man, is he gonna forget? <laughs> but, <laughs> Usually they don't, obviously. Yeah, I always use the dice, like, to remind me. I had one opponent who literally, like, was shouting, like, saying to himself his mantra of, like, back, 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 <laughs> Like, the whole, whole, whole turn. Like, just saying, forget. That's the type of guy you like to play against. <laughs> That's when you got to start with the conversation. Oh, yeah. I was, I was, just, I played against the guy before, and then, like, I'd, I'd beaten him in a PTU top 8 by mind-tricking him. Uh-huh. So he was very cautious, and so that's why he was, I think against someone else, he would just put, like, a die on top of his deck, and that'd be it. Uh-huh. But, like, he was like, back, 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 because he's like, I can't forget. And then, like, he almost still did forget, which was really funny. And then, but... All you needed to do was be like, hey, did you drop a card? And then he would have stopped and looked down. No, no, he wouldn't. Then, trust, then... me, I, trust me, I, try, I, I tried various things. Because that was no, my only out. You're, you're not good enough, dude. You're not good <laughs> well, enough. I pl- talk at the tournament this weekend. I played against KYT, uh-huh. and he was victorious in our matchup. First time he's ever beaten me in anything. Anyways, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. And uh, and anyways, I'm I'm like I I owned him so hard with my mental capabilities. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like KYT. Do you have a spell pierce? And he's like laughs, and I'm like, okay, no, he, you know you don't. I just slammed my Jace. And he's like resolves. And then, wow. then later I'm like, KYT, do you have the mana leak? And he gave the same little laugh. I'm like, yeah, you have it this time, don't you, bastard? But <laughs> so, you still laugh. Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, okay, so much for mental, you know, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> he should have played better. <laughs> played better, dude. Yeah, I should have played turn two Stoneforge Mystic like him on the plate. <laughs> I mean, you can make excuses for why you lost, but it's probably just because you suck at magic. Probably. probably. Yeah. And, and also, I think KYT's got you beat in the girlfriend area, too, right? Yeah, she's really pretty. Yeah. Yeah, she, and, and your girlfriend is your, your mom? <laughs> your mom. Oh, well, I thought we talked about this. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know. <laughs> we got we got to get you guys back. I don't consider your mom though my girlfriend. Oh, man. Okay, like, now now what's gonna happen is just this desperate attempt by Alex to get me back for my awesome joke. Okay. okay, just give it up, Alex. You know, let it sit for a while, then come back with a good one. Okay, <laughs> Mark, your mom sure gives it up. Anyways, <laughs> one question I wanted to ask that I keep forgetting to ask Drew and uh, and all, all you guys is. How legit is Cephalid Breakfast? Because I talk with Flores a lot, and he still thinks it's by far the best deck. The best actual deck or the best combo deck? The best actual deck, not close. <laughs> it's the, the actual... best deck that was ever created, ever played, <laughs> ever promoted, ever. It's the best deck, man. He did say that. It's the best deck. He feels like it's the most powerful deck he's ever designed. Wow. He said that. Well, I, I think it, it falls under this category as, you know, I, <laughs> what I would put in with the Ad Nauseam decks. You know, they, like, unlike the high tide decks that can just reload, like we talked about this earlier, if you top deck a time spiral, you know, you can just draw seven. But, um, uh, I had a, I had a thing a while ago where I, where I talked about, you know, how the combo decks, uh, operated and how they relied on having cards in their hand or card advantage. So, 
against Stuff of Breakfast, the same principles apply. So you still need your combo cards to go off. Um, you can be easily disrupted by basically what everyone's, or not what everyone, but very popular main deck hate in the, in the format, which is discard. So um, I, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's that powerful. I think that in certain metagames, you can definitely blow them out because you have Aethervile. You, you can make your creatures uncounterable. But um, yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's the best deck or even the best combo deck. You heard your folks. <laughs> That's why you're although, not Mike Flores. Although the version, <laughs> although the version that is Cephalid Life, the one that has the uh, Darrow Spiritualist in it, that one could be a that, that one could be a little bit better because it can play around Graveyard Hate a little easier. So I think that's his version. Oh, okay, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not the best, not the best deck. <laughs> but I know Mike just tends to it, it's his persona on Twitter to to overhype things. So it's not, I, I'm not sure if he truly thinks it's it's the best deck, but um, I, I would I would definitely rate it a couple of spots ahead of um, Mono Cascade. <laughs> yeah, when he's saying the best deck that he's designed, you know, that 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 takes it in a different realm. You know what I mean? Oh, but didn't that guy make his Napster? He didn't see no John Finkel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. Well, that's all before my time. You know, I, I don't know anything about all that stuff. No, By the way, you can you can talk shit about uh, Mike Flores all you want because he, he doesn't listen to podcasts. <laughs> why do you say that? <laughs> he's also going to be like, he's going to be like, hey, bro, why are you talking <laughs> shit, man? <laughs> Don't you know I'm the best? <laughs> Just like stuff like, breakfast? I'll be like, I know, Mike, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know, I'm joking because, like, uh, the other day was he was telling, like, oh, I don't answer to uh, forum comments. Oh yeah, yeah. He's very he's very selective with his activities. <laughs> he's, he's a he's a cool guy. He's definitely um, he's definitely you know giving me advice and stuff that is uh, that is very useful. You know, and this is like beyond the game. You know what I mean? So uh, so I give Flores props. But the Cephalid Breakfast deck, I'm really not sure because, I mean, the Source of Plowshare gives it a hard time too, right? Uh, it's, it, it's okay, Disruption. Um, usually, usually if your Swords in the, if, if you, if they have both combo parts in play and you try to Swords one, you know, they just go off, but. Yeah, well, obviously. I mean, well, you have, have that, but the window of time to, to Disrupt is very small because they do have counter magic. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I never played it, so I'm just talking to my ass right now. But um. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, you can you can refer to my tournament report when I played against Oren Beasley, and I played three turns of Magic because you opened the game with both combo pieces both times. Oh wow! <laughs> no, <That's> awesome. uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could. I guess it could be really good. I just don't. I don't know. The the thing the thing that happens with the deck is that like. Once, like, once it starts going off and, like, all the, basically all its library goes into the grave is that they, they can cabal therapy, like, everything, like, any type of answer to the actual creatures that are going to kill you. Well, at that point, yes, but, I mean, yeah. before that, like, that's when you're trying to interact with them when they're trying to combo off, not, like, after they've gone off. Yeah, because at that point you just die unless you have a crypt, right? Yeah, I mean, like, I think the problem with the deck is that every single type of hate that exists is is strong against you. Yep. Like, grave hate is annoying, counterspells are annoying, removal's annoying, like... 
playing top target player draws two cards or something is annoying. Because <laughs> <laughs> not only can't they, like, cephalid combo, but they also can't, uh, they can't life combo, where you just, you know, deck them out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't... I don't know, it just seems like I also heard in like in the coverage that I was watching, um, I heard that it had problems with Wasteland, right? Yeah, it's like a it's like a three no, it's a four color combo deck. So it you have to run white so you can play your nomads. You have to run green so you can play grip to deal with graveyard hate, and you play blue to cast your illusionist and black for discard, so it can be a problem. And your greens for playing Star Wars sync them. Yeah, greens for the world. Oh yeah, yeah, for World of the Tutor, like, correct. Yeah. And and Living Wish, yeah. Yeah, uh, the only thing about it is I've been really wanting to play in a deck with Living Wish, and I wish there was like a, I wish, <laughs> I wish I was there was... I going to say it, but it wasn't actually that funny, so yeah, I go on. <laughs> I wish there was like a Dark Depths deck that you could play with like Living Wish and, you know, Black Discard or something, but it just seems like Swords of Plowshare just blows you out of Wasteland, well, you know? It's not even it's not even just towards the plowshares. Like it has the same problem that like show and tell Emrakul decks have, where you know that guy with four Knight of the Reliquary and a Caracas in this deck is just going to go to town on you. But is it a legendary could, token? Yeah, yeah. The, the token you make is twenty twenty legendary. So um, yeah, that's actually when that when that deck got popular. I remember um, it was actually Stephen Menendian. He brought it to a tournament, and it was a mean deck. And at that point, I hadn't added Caracas in my deck yet, but I, I really, really wanted to afterwards, because that's just an uncountable way to do you, you wanted you know. to mid-game add a Caracas? No, 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 no. Like, <laughs> like for, for later considerations, you know, like, I, uh, I, bought, I bought two Caracas for $7 each, like, you know, just a couple months in, in preparation, and, uh, you know, somebody, somebody talked about it, and then it spiked, and, you know, it got really expensive, but it felt really good. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's that, how Medina feels every day. Yeah, somebody <laughs> talks about things. Oh, wait, that's me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that, like, some kind of Dark Depths deck could be good, right? I mean, it, it, you have Phyrexian Revoker for Nida Reliquary, yeah? So you could do that, right? Yeah, that's true, that's or true. Or Pithing Needle, you could just Pithing Needle, right, Caracas. Like, why wouldn't you just run, like, four Revoker... Probably, like, four Pithing Needle. Like, why wouldn't you just run four Pithing Needle main? Yeah, that sounds pretty good. I can't really... <laughs> I can't really argue with that one. You can yeah, play a Phyrexian Revoker in the sideboard to Living Wish for. Jonathan, just broke the format. I think I broke it, guys. Wait, wait. I gotta do what all the pros do. I'm gonna post it on Twitter. <laughs> broke it. That's, that's all I'm gonna put. Broke Again. it. And I'll just everyone guess. <laughs> wow. Man, you're good because I have dark deaths. Just I bought them just before they got banned from extended. <laughs> it seems like every financial play Frankie has made, except for his forty dual lands, has been a terrible play. <laughs> he bought the dark deaths, he bought the forty shock lands. <laughs> the pain lands were, weren't very good. <laughs> I think Frankie's play is just to buy everything that he can get his hands on. He's like, how much is it? I'll buy it. <laughs> so obviously he's going to end up with some very good financial decisions and some very <laughs> awful ones. <laughs> oh, man. I love how when I post broke it, I'm sure I'm going to get a trail of people <laughs> just telling me how I haven't broken it. Yeah, <laughs> no idea. Like you know, it's just like people just love to disagree with you on Twitter. They're just like, 
that's not true. It's just like, okay. Well, I mean, I know from personal experience that it's really fun to disagree with you in person, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this guy says, uh, this guy says, tell her to go easy on you next time, then. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said. This is, oh, good. This is Mammoth DW on Twitter. What's up, Mammoth? <laughs> oh, man, that's good. Is it clock Nazi time? Uh, I don't know, because we started this. <laughs> I, I didn't like. I didn't finish talking about my elf game. Yeah, what happened? Go ahead. Go ahead. I, uh, <laughs> He's like, well, so then I won. No. <laughs> yeah, I won, yeah. Basically, that's it. <laughs> I boarded it infinite removal, and uh, Dark Blast just, like, destroys this deck. And uh, that was one of my uh, little uh, innovation that was uh, that I was playing. Okay, a Frankenstein. That, that was different from uh, Jerry Key's list. What innovation was it? Dark Blast. Oh, it's it's, uh, it's really good. Like it kills a lot of uh, of creature like lackeys, and uh, the elves suffer to it uh, especially. Dark confidence. And, uh, yeah, exactly, and also it lets you win the Goy fight, you know, and you can always recur them, and, well, not in that build, but if you're playing uh, Tomb Stalker, like, it, 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 feeds, uh, it feeds your graveyard to cast your Tomb Stalker. Yeah, and if you keep drawing it enough, you can flip over your Narcomibas and <laughs> Dread Return, your, uh, your, your Karmic Guide, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you think is a bad matchup, Frank, after your, your experience? I guess you didn't you, you just won all your games and just got screwed against that nauseum. Um be interested to see you if we could get man, if we could only get candlesticks to, to play test with, then we could see how you do against High Tide. Yeah, well I like I think High Tide just like the nature of the deck makes it so that like it's it's not an easy matchup for anyone because like it's really tough to disrupt. And, like, at that point, like, I'm kind of wondering, like, if they're going to go back on Time Spiral. Cause I don't know. I don't I, think I, they are. I mean, like, I, Wizards really doesn't, I don't know, I don't think they like batting stuff. Yeah, I don't think it would be fi- financially beneficial to do that. <laughs> yeah, for, for you, it definitely wouldn't be. No, it would not be. <laughs> Oh, like, uh, so Wizards of the Coast, do you, I need to give you my contact information? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Talk about this. <laughs> but I mean, Wizards, I mean, they have the reserve list and stuff. They often make decisions that are maybe not uh, financially beneficial. Yeah. <laughs> like some, one of our listeners said in the comments, they really wanted us to talk more about the reserve list and... Because they think it's bad for Legacy's health long-term. Isn't everybody sick of, like, hearing about the reserve list? I don't know. I, I, I got to say I kind of am, but... Yeah, me I'm too. I'm kind of sick like, of your voice, too, so... <laughs> they probably are, dude. I, I'm just... I'm waiting for the day where, like, the Magic community, like, as a collective group, votes me off the island. You know? <laughs> 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 going to be like, okay... Last Medina, forever. <laughs> forever. 
We broke it. <laughs> Alex is working on it secretly. <laughs> yeah, well, then I'm not too worried about it. We need oh. to like actually like a winner who's good at things to like be able to like boot me off the island. Revenge is a dish best served cold. <laughs> At this point, I just want to see what happens with the legacy format. I'm just, I'm hearing all the all the arguments that have been like been given to me on both sides, and let's just see what happens. Yeah, I'm curious to see what the what Wizards move uh, is going to be. Like, are they gonna reprint anything, or are they gonna do? Because like basically, basically the the ball is in their cap right now. Like, uh, there's not much that we can do about it, you know. Oh man, you just hit a hundred followers, Mark. Oh yeah, <laughs> dude, didn't I tell you? What did I tell you to text earlier? Uh, that's so awesome. <laughs> All sun's dawn. It is a, it is a, it is a good feeling. Oh man, that's sick. Nina's got the army working for you. That is, that's, that's well, I, I was joking with him earlier. I was like, I, ha- I have my whole army now, but like, we're just part of uh, General John Medina's army. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like a. Yeah. Uh, a company with the yeah. I, I think Frank was a little bummed that I I didn't give him the same uh, the same red carpet treatment, Mark. You know. <laughs> yeah, but like man. on Twitter, there's like you know the influential people. There's like Obama, then Kim Kardashian, and then it's John Medina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, like, and you, you, I wouldn't expect you to help like a Frenchman, you know. <laughs> dude, you're just gonna have to play better, dude. All right, <laughs> just be more interesting, Frank. <laughs> Frank, anything else to uh, add to your night of legacy? Well, like, just like my general feeling of the elf deck, it, like to me, it seemed like it was kind of like a a one trick pony, you know, like. Uh, Either it, it get all these dudes out and they they beat you with them or like like it's gonna die like to a lot of removal and like it, it's kind of like easily disrupted. Yeah, I think so. That that was my feeling, but like I think I think like we haven't seen like there's a lot of people I think that like are working on now, so like there might be like a different build that comes about then. That's gonna have like a different game plan. I like I like the elf deck, you know. Like, yeah, I like I liked it too. Like I like the uh, survival natural order uh, version when when I was playing that. Uh-huh. But like the glimpse, I, I like. I'm not too crazy about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think... I'm probably gonna try it for fun, like uh, just like uh, to see how it works and like learn how to beat it that way. But. Uh, like I, I think I think they're like because like the thing with legacy also is like they're they're gonna print more cards that are gonna go into these deck and that 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 may that might take it to the next level. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I, I don't know. I I like I'm learning that I think I like combo decks the best. Like I don't know. I I think it, as much as I want to say like I'm a control player. I think combo decks are just control decks with balls. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I think that's really just the truth of the matter. So maybe I'm just more of a combo player. But, like, decks that I'm interested in actually playing right now, like, when I think about, like, playing Team America or, like, Counterbalance or some something like that, I would just rather, like, play High Tide or Dredge 
or elf combo, you know? The thing is that with these decks, you know when you're winning, you know, and like uh, with the other decks, like you kind of that you have to fight for it like a little more. Yeah, yeah, but the thing about these decks is like if your opponent stumbles, you punish them. You know what I mean? Like it, it's like there's a severe cost for misplaying for your opponent if you're playing a combo deck, because once they do the wrong thing then, I mean, if everything works out perfect for them, they might be able to stop you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, the variance is more on your side. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, well, I find that, I like, the decks I like are the ones that have library manipulation. Like, give me a control deck or a combo deck or whatever with, you know, that with four brainstorm, four ponder, four priority and whatever. I just love, you know, that that stuff. That's why I, don't, I, I tend not to go for the aggro decks, because, you know, like, playing a Kurt Ape doesn't really let you search your library for anything. I mean, if they path it, you get to get a free land. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reply. <laughs> okay. Clock Nazi time. So oh, man. What that means, Mark, is that it's the end of the show. <laughs> it's time to say goodbye to our little friends. Right. <laughs> Goodbye, and you, crazy talk. And we usually uh, give our guests first uh, to plug your give shout outs to anybody. And uh, of course, we want to plug your Twitter name, All Suns Dawn. And obviously, we can check out your latest tournament report on MTGMetagame.com, the original website that I actually met John, we became friends with. So it's pretty cool to see, see it still get some new content. Now and then, so <laughs> good content now, right? <laughs> now that he's now that he has me on there, you know. Like, no. Have you guys have you guys read this tournament report? I read I read his last one. I started to read this one. Have you guys read it? No, but I'm going to. Man, it's good, man. Yeah, it is good. Yeah. I, I didn't know who this Mark Sun guy was. That's why. And then, and then now that you told me a superstar, he's a superstar. Now that he's proven to be a superstar, I'm going to read it. So uh, I, I, everybody those, else should read it. Everybody else superstars that hangs out in the X3 column, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're like X2. You're playing a guy. Hey, you're Mark Sun. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to know that. <laughs> so anything else you would like to plug, Mark? Uh, not really. I mean, I just want to thank you guys again for uh, having me on here. I didn't, I didn't really, ex- you know, I wasn't really planning on getting on the podcast this soon, but uh, yeah, it's been a really fun time talking about legacy and just, you know, shooting the shit with you guys. No problem. And uh, I don't know when you'll get your job or or how your schedule will be, but we'd love to have you on the show again. Yeah, definitely. for sure. Um, I think I think my future changes in within the next two weeks. So, um, you know, definitely keep you guys up to date. Frank. Yes. Any shout-outs this week? Yes, uh, this week. Uh, I have a shout-out for a guy that uh, he's been pretty uh, faithful uh, listening to the cast and commenting uh, on uh, on manadeprived.com. And, uh, his name is Richard, and his uh, Twitter name is uh, Sith Alcron. And uh, he, he even has a blog that like talks about uh, legacy. So like that that guy seems legit, and uh, he's been uh, he, we've been talking on Twitter, and uh, he seems like a good guy. So shout out to Richard. He seems like a hardcore guy. I've seen like he, he's really he really likes our cast because it's he's all legacy, right? So yeah. 
So, like, uh, we, we need more of those. <laughs> <laughs> Alex? Um, I don't really have any shout-outs. I mean, I guess uh, shout-out to Patrick Sullivan, not Adrian Sullivan. <laughs> I, try, I tried playing his mono-red burn deck uh, on Tuesday and uh, couldn't, did, not, did not get there. Though, to be fair, there's a lot of... I played against 75% combo decks, so it's kind of hard to, wi- to, to win when your opponent goes, like, turn one, tendrils you, or turn two, Iona. And, uh, but, yeah, I, I just don't see how, how you can top eight a tournament with that deck. So I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> impressed with that. Um, and thanks again, Mark, for being on the cast. And uh, thank to, thanks, Frankie and, uh, and KYT doing a good job and uh yeah so that's <laughs> <laughs> he just had to he just had to oh, I'll, I'll, I'll let John I'll let John finish so um because he's a Banff but first I'd like to thank uh, John and Alex for keeping it together despite the the trolling you guys do to each other and uh thanks Mark again and thanks to Vincent Thibault who listens to our cast actually um and leaves us some good feedback. And anybody who leaves us feedback on manadeprived.com. And that's that. John. Actually, yeah, John says something. I'll... Let me just, i also like to shout out to Vincent Thibault. And yeah, Vincent, if you want to, you know, go to that breakfast place. It's only five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's beneficial, you know. Financially beneficial. <laughs> Dude, just pull a pause game and be like, hey, get my breakfast, homie. <laughs> So, I'll just double the uh, the shout out to the people who are leaving comments on manofpride.com. Uh, just thanks for that. We're actually every week. I think we kick the 18th button comments. So, <laughs> I'm on the team though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know, just saying, dude, you know, <laughs> that uh, that we do beat the 18 comments almost every week. <laughs> so our crazy talk audience is pretty pretty awesome, you know. Pretty yeah, awesome. I have to and, agree. And, and I mean, you at the A team, you guys have to like beg for comments. Like, <laughs> we just we put a we put a cast together. We don't even edit it; just throw it up, and then we get all these comments. So I'm just saying, <laughs> just throw it up. <laughs> just throw it up. <laughs> we just play better. <laughs> you know what, A team? You just got to be better. Okay, <laughs> got to play better. <laughs> all right, so. I'll give a shout-out to, to Mark. Uh, thanks for coming on and for writing that content for the website because it's really um, it's really cool, and I see that a lot of uh, your local guys and stuff get to read it and, like, just uh, see your performance and stuff. And you always have a little cool little insights to the game, so I like I like reading your, your stuff. So thanks for adding that to mtgmetagame.com. Yeah, no problem. And um, I want to give a shout-out to... EternalCentral.com. Have you guys seen this? Mm, I don't think I have. Okay, no, awesome. this is yeah. This is just for our listeners out there who haven't like we we mentioned uh, MTGTheSource.com. Like that's like a really good legacy um, forum. But also there's this Eternal-Central.com, and I think KYT will put this in the show notes. It's like a it's like an article-based website. That has a bunch of stuff, all basically legacy and uh, vintage, right? Right, uh, Mark. Yeah, yeah. I troll that website a lot, so it's you know it's definitely a lot of good content. Um, there's a lot of it, it's there's a lot of European writers there too, so it's a good way to get insight on how things are going across the pond. 
yeah, it's just good to get like cultured and like read on some of this stuff. And you know, a lot of these guys who write on here are pretty pretty smart. I think uh, Jayco writes on here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's he's awesome. Uh, you guys probably don't know him, but he's a real he's a real bamf. <laughs> so um, so we'll we'll get you all familiar with all the cool people in the legacy community. That's why we brought Mark on. A um, couple more shout-outs. Uh, Steve Sexton, uh, he just bought a set of four, Force of Wheels off me. Uh, <laughs> he bought three three Force of Wheels off me, and he said that he loves listening to Crazy Talk. And I told him, hey, dude, I'm recording it right now as I'm selling you Force of Wheels. And he's like, I can't wait to listen. So there's a little surprise for you, Steven. Thanks for uh, listening. <laughs> and thanks for buying Force of Wheels off me. <laughs> awesome so last shout out goes to my other cast that i that we do weekly untappedcast.com and uh, we really just want to get some feedback on that um i mean we would just love it to get like 15 comments like crazy Todd gets but i mean not even the ap gets that so if you guys could go check out untappedcast.com um throw us a bone let us know if you have negative feedback leave it i'm good with that i'm a big boy i can take it um, and that's it, man. I think this cast has been awesome. So, thumbs up. See you later, guys. Yeah, see you guys. Ciao. Peace out. <laughs>